Hey everybody, RC Alien Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 191. Anyone? Oh my god. Let's start over. How's that sound? Let's try out one more time. Take two. Take two. Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 199. The long-awaited, much-anticipated 199. Here we are. Guys are all here. Say hi, guys. What's happening? <sighs> so, What's up? What's going on, dudes? It's been a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Everyone thought we were it like... feels oh like a God. lifetime. You guys are going away. <laughs> no, you couldn't. Please. I'm like a... I'm like a like VD bat. man. Yes, I God, I knew it. Yeah, he. Yeah, you stepped right into that one. I yep. was gonna say something like, you know, a bad rash, a bad rash, or maybe pitch off a tree on your hands or something. No, VD has more, more, more. Yeah, it's got a broader appeal. No medicine can get rid of it. Like a sexually transmitted disease. It's like luggage, yeah. man. <laughs> Keep that shit. Just for stays your whole life. with you. Wow. All righty. Well, you know, it's it's been a crazy few weeks. A lot of shit's been going on. And uh we're going to we're going to kind of catch up a little bit here and then we're going to kind of talk about some of the more exciting things that have been happening over the last few weeks. Uh I'm going to go first because I don't I, man, I got you know You guys ever tasted smoke before? I mean, literally like Wake up in the morning and go, Ugh. yeah, that's smoke. No. Oh, that sounds horrible, though. And all the fires are over in Washington, right? There's a couple here in Montana. Mainly they're in Washington, and it's all the smoke's coming over here. We've got about less than a half a mile visibility at any given moment of the day. And um, makes for it makes for rough flying, unless you're flying stuff that, doesn't need to be controlled. That stuff's mm-hmm. pretty easy to fly in this kind of weather. <laughs> but it's just, it's just thick. I mean, it's um, people are starting to get sick, and uh, I don't see I don't see you know we talk I've talked about the smoke season before. This is probably the worst it's ever been that I can remember. And uh, yeah, I mean, didn't you post a Facebook photo, Dan? And it looked like the parking lot you were in had its yeah its lights on. Yeah, and that was at like five thirty in the afternoon. That is crazy. I actually stopped Nuts. the next day, and I took a picture from the exact same spot. I was going to post it as kind of a, here was yesterday, and this is today, because it's worse. Mm-hmm. It's worse than the first yeah. one? In the first picture, oh, wow. you can kind of see an outline of the mountain in the background. In the second picture, you can barely see the trees that are in the foreground, just right beyond the parking lot that I was in. Yeah, it's... Um, so, this has been going on for two weeks, and no flying at all, except for those that uh, will remain unnamed. Uh, did get, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a show, but I did get a, you know, I got the 700 back together, right? Nice. 
I actually did that fairly quick. Uh, surprisingly enough. And I got a few flights on that. I found, like I said, I found a few extra gallons that I'd left in the shop, so we're good to go there. But no electrics. I do have my charging station going. Using the shit out of it to charge 20,000 milliamp packs. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Damn. <laughs> so... But we're, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was talking to Nick the other day and, um, I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm not, I don't really want to go into a lot of detail cause I don't want to pin it down. I don't want to commit until I actually decide for sure. But I think there's a going to be a fairly big change coming up in my fleet. And I think, oh. I think, um, I don't know. Teaser. They're Come all going to, they're all yeah, going to Yeah. You got to give us a teaser. What brand? <laughs> They're all going to grow Can more we arms a brand? and propellers. Just, here's here's a hint: no particular brand, but there will be conversions involved. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Oh. Is that a good enough hint? Brat. <laughs> brat. Brat. I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about liquidating the whole fleet, keeping one of my electrics. Pun intended. Uh, yeah, and. uh Switching over to something different, you know. Hmm. I'm. You have me intrigued, and I'm. Uh, I've made a few calls. Started mm-hmm. collecting some, I guess, uh, data, as it were. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But you're actually researching. I'm actually researching. Oh, holy shit! This is not. <laughs> this does you not sound like impulsive, Dan. Who this have sounds you like done well with thought out, logical. <laughs> Dan. Well, here's the deal. I I have to put a lot of thought into this because if I do it the way I'm going to do it and then I decide not to do it, well, I'm going to leave myself with hardly anything to fly. So I got to make sure. Yeah, I got to make sure that first of all, I can afford it because it's going to be a fairly expensive change, right? Mm. You've been down that road, Justin, with those motors and pipes and stuff like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, so I just, you know, it's just something that's been on my mind probably for about three weeks. So like I said, talking to a few folks that are in the know and, uh, I'll keep you guys posted, but that's kind of where I'm, where I'm looking. I, I, I just, I, I feel like a change is, is, is warranted kind of a, a revamping as you know what I mean? It's like, uh, retooling. There you go. I like that word. Yeah, I think that's that's perfectly Sweet, fair. I mean, everyone's got to you got to find that that niche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Find that find that home and uh you had yours for for a long time, but then I I, I feel like you kind of like I don't know. The electrics just kind of ruined everything. They never snuck in there. Really fit you. Nah, I'm not you know, I've been down the gasser road before, but it was a long time ago, and the whole scene has changed. I mean, I'm talking back in the day when we did the Mallory mechanical gain on the throttle. Justin, you're familiar, I'm yep, sure. Yep, Uh, You know, GV1 governors. Ooh. You know? Old uh, school. Old school, you know. 90-degree uh, servo, single servo, <laughs> MCCP. Oh, yeah, old school stuff. Dan's so, return into the homeland. I think uh, <laughs> it's it's it just sounds like something that I it just sounds like uh, kind of a new 
outlook on the hobby. It's just a different different spin on things for a while. We'll see how it goes. But as far as uh, you know, the I I didn't make it to Snohomish, as you guys well know, because you were there and I wasn't. Uh, just too busy. Just too much going on at work. It's just killing me. So but we're making some progress. Going to be hearing some more about that here very shortly. So keep Sweet. your ears open for that. Let's see. Did I buy anything? Oh, I got my um, I got my icon back. The one that was no that was no good. Nice. Yeah. What ended up being the problem with it? it just, dude? It just wouldn't power up. So they just replaced they just it for replaced you, it. or yeah. fixed it, yeah. or that's that awesome, 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 awesome customer service at Heli Direct. Yeah, they just nice. Yeah, they just uh, no questions asked. They just said, oh, "All right, here you go." Sent the new one in. We so got can't that complain going. there. Yeah. Oh, unfortunately, you would think for two weeks of uh, not doing a show, I would have more to talk about. But unfortunately, I just uh, been just working my ass off and uh, contemplating this change. So kind of short and sweet, but that's really where I'm at. No selling or simming? Uh, simming, yeah. I've been simming. I've, I've been sticking to that two times a week. Good for you, dude. Nice. And I, you know, because I really haven't been getting a lot of actual stick time. So I feel like it's going to help maintain, you know, a little bit of where I was at. Uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see come, come our fun fly coming up. That might be a an eye opener, but uh, I'm gonna. I, I obviously won't be able to make this change uh, in fleet before then, or I might. I don't know. We'll see how things progress in the next few weeks, but um, probably just have the nitro and a couple of electrics uh, at our fun. So. I will be bringing a multi rotor though. Probably a couple of. Them. Oh jeez! So you guys oh, uh, might get a chance to see what I've been working on. Those of you who show up, we might get some video of some of it too. So. Oh, yeah. Definitely use uh, some of them to take some video. Oh, yes. All righty, guys. Who's next? That was short and sweet. Get ready to go to the field. Aw, can I finish this level? Okay, I'll make you a deal. Uh, you can keep playing until I get done charging my batteries. Hey, that's not fair. That's only going to take like five minutes because you got a power lab. <laughs> well played, Dad. Well played. go already oh geez yeah like you said it seems like it's been forever and uh what a geez what a run i mean um well let's see okay um think what am i putting pictures up oh update on the gt500 the rev electric gt500 charger uh it's doing freaking awesome i think we're gonna get the review out probably right after 200 so about 201 look for that 
um, I posted a picture up of the little charging case that I put it in. Justin, I told you that was small. Yes. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> it's really small. I mean, it's, I'm I, you had to probably do some pretty creative wiring just to get the power supply to fit in there with all of its various wires. That's correct. Yes. So, yes, I did. So that's a 500 like watt it. charger, right? Yeah. And you've been pushing your big batteries through it? Um. Well, okay. There's the caveat to that. It's 500 watts, but as you'll hear about more in the review, you do need to get the voltage up. That's not 500 watts at 12 volts on a single supply. So I've got my supply modded, and I'm getting 13.8 or so, 13.8, somewhere right around there. But yeah, oh, you I'm did running the fixed it. resistor mod. Yeah, I did. Good. And I'm running it just wide open. I mean, wide open throttle. I think almost every charge. I would say because I just, I mean, I want to know. I, you know, with it only being a 500 watt, it's kind of my hunch that people are gonna push it at its maximum a lot more. So I figured, ah, you know, what the heck? Might as well test it that way. But what yeah, kind of charge times are you getting on the big batteries? I mean, I don't, I don't want to blow the review, but I am really curious. You know, I to be truthful, I haven't done it. It it hasn't been like okay, go and fly and then charge and do this half the time. I'm not paying attention, and I know that's. I will look into it more, like when it comes down to the specifics of the review. But I haven't got to that part yet. Um, because for what I built it for, I'm not concerned with the times. So that's going to be one of those last minute things. Oh, hey, I better go figure out how long it's going to take to charge a pair of 6S5000. Because right now I just go fly. And then when I'm done, I come back in, plug it in, and it's sitting on top of my toolbox at work and let it charge away. And I usually don't pay attention. But I will get you that information. So since it's been a couple of weeks as a refresher... For those of you who might not have heard, Nick, tell us, you you said for what your intended purpose, and that you kind of just briefly went over it, but give us a little more. What do you mean by your intended purpose, your use? Yeah, my, so what I wanted to do, you know, Revelectric sent us this over to do the review on, which again, thank you very much. Um, but what I decided to kind of capitalize on for the review purpose is I have needed, you know, I get the opportunity to fly at lunch and then to sometimes fly after work. Well, I, I usually don't have enough packs to go fly at lunch and then fly after work. Or sometimes I'll get a couple of flights in at lunch and it'll be like, oh, okay, I want to try this. That's right. I want to try this setting. So then I, I need to get a flight in right after work to double check it. Um, so I really needed some sort of charge capabilities. But what I've learned is that I've gotten so freaking spoiled with this whole trailer situation that hauling anything around, I don't like. It's just, I, I don't like hauling anything. <laughs> and I've got my dual power lab all set up in the trailer. You know, it's mounted kind of on the wall. I have those really nice uh, big FMA uh, multi boards on there that, don't work well in a charging case, but are like the absolute bomb for home charging. So it, I, I was at a point where it's like, okay, Nick, you need to build a charging case, but I didn't want to build a big one. 
So my goal was to take this GT500. I have a single, uh, is it, Justin, is it DPS or HPS? I can never remember. It's a DPS, DPS 1200. Uh, Yep. So I've got the DPS 1200 in there. I've modded it like Justin was talking about. I did a fixed resistor mod on it. So I've got the voltage cranked up. And the goal was to get basically as much, to get all of that in the smallest case absolute possible. And uh, for those who didn't see our Facebook page, the case is, well, my, my, uh, I put a picture with my V control sitting in the lid and my V control will not fit in this case. Like no way, not even close. So it's very, very small. So this is kind of my low power. I'm not charging in a hurry, but I need to have a charger with me. That's got a power supply and I kind of wanted it all in an easy carry case. So that's what I'm doing with it. Uh Oh, <laughs> well, I guess, speaking of trailers, um, you know, we went to Snohomish. But before that, I was in a bit of a debacle that my wife brought up so kindly to me. Um, When you build a big, huge trailer for the specific purpose of it being directly involved with the podcast that pretty much means that that trailer has to go with you like no matter what and now that my son's getting a little bit older um and so my whole family has been coming along with me to events which is awesome i absolutely freaking love it but our travel trailer and then this trailer and i couldn't tow two trailers at the same time and it was getting to be a hassle. So I was joking around and I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, dear. We were talking about uh, the RCHN fun fly coming up. I said, well, you better call and get a hotel. She goes, no, we're staying in the travel trailer. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's going to be at home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Staying home then? <laughs> uh, I was like, so you want to drive two vehicles down? Well, I'm not really comfortable towing that far. Well, <laughs> it was just really <laughs> I awkward, don't know like, what to tell you, honey. <laughs> yeah, and you know, normally she wins like every battle, which is how it is, and that's cool. But this one I was kind of like, all right, well, here's the deal. This is I mean, this is this is the, you know, like basically the one event a year where it's like this is podcasts and everything else is is secondary so that was kind of a polite way of being like i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i'm towing this trailer <laughs> the heli trailer will be there <laughs> yes so then i kind of lipped off and was joking around and i was like yeah well just go buy a motorhome and tow it if you really want to and she was kind of one of those fine fine and that was it well that was a couple months ago or about a month ago i'd say and then just you know, about what two weeks ago it was okay. Uh, so how big of a motorhome? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, oh hell man. no, like no way. Um, and I said, Well, you know, mid 20s would be fine, I don't want to go longer than 30. Uh, well, what year? So I told her about what year range, you know, what motor. All of this, and that was it. I didn't hear anything for about a week, and then all of a sudden she walked up. She's like, okay, there's three of them here. Pick which one you want to go look at. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, 
<laughs> okay. And I mean, I got to tell you, she pinned it down. She had it figured out, and she found the exact one that I said. I mean, exactly what I said I was looking for. So, yeah, long story wow. short, the day before we left for Snohomish. So keep that in mind. I got a remodel that's going, and, you know, we've got uh, all of our rough-in inspections and all that kind of stuff going, get, getting those finalized. And then we get all done with those, and then we have to go family camping uh, the weekend before that over in Winthrop. So we go family camping. We come back, and then on Wednesday, we're driving down to Everett after work, so like an hour and a half, to go trade in our travel trailer to pick up a motorhome, to drive it home, to absolutely have to set up and be able to use it that night because we still don't have a bathroom in our house. Oh, dude. (laughs) To get it all ready the next day and drive and spend the weekend at Snohomish. Wow. Solid plan. For all of those people who are like, what the heck happened where you guys couldn't do a show? That's what happened for me. Life Uh, happened. (laughs) Life happened, but in the end, we got a bitchin' 26 foot. Uh, it's great, man. Bump out V10. I towed that uh, big old Hurricane 18 foot trailer <laughs> down to Snohomish. I was my own rolling convoy, <laughs> gas mileage, yeah, with uh, the trailer behind it, non existent, six, not much, six miles of the gallon. like six or eight. Uh, you know, I didn't figure because it's, I, yeah. Too I depressing. Yeah. <laughs> what did we get? Well, see, I'm, t- I'm trying to think. Like, when we went to Urcha, you know, that was a 31 or a 32 foot. Yeah. We got nine, I think. Didn't we get nine yeah, or ten, Dan? Somewhere in there, yeah. And we were towing the little trailer. Little guy. But it was packed to the nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that had a Yeah, tons. but still, even packed up, it can't weigh nearly as much as Dan's huge trailer. Well, no, but I'm also thinking, okay, with the difference in like five to six feet in length on the motorhome. That's true. That's true. we had the motorhome packed to the nuts, too. Yeah. So I'm thinking like it's about the same, right around so the same. So is the bed in the back when... Did Auden try to lay in the bed in the back and like a springboard going <laughs> no. down the road? I don't, it doesn't seem nearly as bad as that. That was like a diving oh, board. Oh, dude, I remember that. That was rough. But it was kind of funny. This is a class C, and if anyone's ever driven a class C, you know what it is to drive something that's miserable. Because <laughs> even the nice ones are all the same. They're loud. They're, they rattle. And they're not, you know. Very roomy in the cab. No, they're not. They're they're absolutely not. Now, what we did, it was funny. We're driving it back. You know, I got my wife running all over the place in the back. Uh, uh, yeah, real safe going down the freeway. I'm like, find that rattle. Okay, find that rattle. <laughs> find that rattle. <laughs> and so I've spent like this last week going through it. And I mean, tightening. My God, it's a 2006. So, you know, we're almost coming up on 10 years old. Half of everything is loose in there. I mean, it's in nice shape, but it's just a, it it happens with them, period. So, yeah, that's been kind of a fun journey. But Snohomish, man, 
you know, if there is a, if there is an opposite to what happened for me at Othello, that's what it was at Snohomish. It was the best, most awesome experience that I have had, like, in a long time. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude. I did not get that from you, and I was there. You know, because, okay, I'll tell you why. And this is, maybe this is just a point in which you, you, like, life changes a little bit. So what we did, Jesse was down there first, and, and I'll let him get to it, but he had a travel trailer, and so we backed up. Uh, we backed up the motorhome, parked it next to it, and put the awnings out kind of together. And then I had the the heli trailer on the other side. We got all set up. We were right down in the. We were not right down in the middle. We were kind of down off the end. And you know, uh, his wife was there. Uh, my wife, my son, and then his father in law came, and mother in law, and we just had like. Jeez, and then Justin, you know, you showed up. It was like this huge family smorgasbord. And I freaking loved it. I mean, it, and you know, it was cool. It's because like all the wives are sitting back there chit-chatting, laughing, having a great time. Keeping each other occupied. That's right. That's, <laughs> and that is very crucial. <laughs> Keeping each other. And they're having like genuine fun fun you know what i mean my kids got someone to play with uh justin i think that my kid and uh on and charlie ran themselves they ran miles and miles oh without a doubt and he was beat after that weekend and, and you know just to be able to sit there you know we got there thursday night and the big trailer is just it's perfect for me because, you know, we got there, we stayed up, we did a little bit of wrenching Thursday night, right? And it was cool to be able to have two people in there with plenty of, I mean, could have had four people in there wrenching, really. But Friday morning we got up and (laughs) this is kind of, this is horrible, but (laughs) it worked great. (laughs) So we got up, it was very effective. We got up, got coffee, you know, and, and, and it's those small things that's really nice. It's like you wake up out of the motorhome and you roll over and push the button for the generator. Rum fires up, make your coffee. <laughs> oh, yes. It's the little things, right? We get coffee and we get in there. And, dude, this goes out bad. I don't think we left till like 2 in the afternoon. Somewhere around in there? Yeah, probably. Are you guys cuddling yeah. in there? What the? No, we had the door open, uh-huh. but we were finishing up building. I was working on the trioblin. He was getting the E7 already. And it was just this, I mean, dude, we were just shooting the shit, sitting there toward the end of the trailer, watching outside. It was a beautiful day, warm. It was casual. It was just so relaxed. There was no rush to it couple people stopped by and said hi, but most of the time people didn't even know we were there. (laughs) So then once we got up and got outside, I was like, oh, hey, what time did you guys get in? (laughs) Did you just Uh, get in? We were like, yeah, sure. Uh Oh, last night. And 
it, it was just everything about that fun fly was great for me. Um, I know attendance was down. Uh, I don't think they didn't break the 100 pilot mark. Um, Maxwell couldn't show up. Uh, Bodos didn't Bodos. show up. I'm trying to think who, uh, like no angry Timmy. Uh, Todd Bennett was there. The A-Main team was there, but it was a completely different A-Main team than last time. Uh, I think it was mostly the same from last year, but maybe oh, yeah, different yeah, from the right. last time you were there. Yep, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, You know, there weren't as many, like, pros. It wasn't near as oriented around the pros, but I got to tell you, I mean, man, I went through setups with a couple different people, got a couple helis flying. Um, Man, uh, got to go through the wireless buddy boxing with Sean Hempel, and yeah. so he had our... V controls out there. I think he even stole. This is awesome. He took the food vendor that was there <laughs> and was like, "Come fly something." The guy never flown anything in his life. He just hands him a transmitter. Uh, the the whole wireless buddy boxing thing is just freaking awesome. So he had this kid and his dad and family out there who were making the food out out flying. It was really cool. I put some. Oh, Dan. Oh, Dan, Dan, Dan. <laughs> so, fr was that, Jesse, was that Friday? Well, yeah, it was Friday before Justin got there. A little bit late in the day. I mean, I got a lot of flying in. And Carl brings down his gasser. Oh, yeah. His Goblin 7 with the TRM. He's like, so, yeah, I got the, the go. Oh, he had a gov question. I was like, well, let's just go out and fly it. Now, he bumped his rates up since last time I flew it. Because, you know, he's like, what would you change if it was yours? I said, dude, it actually flies really nice. We had it tuned great. I said, it's just flat out, you know, way too soft around center for me. Well, I guess he went and changed his rates and then has been getting used to it like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's too bad I it's put a goblin, though. No, no, no. Just hold on. So we we got his gov tuned. We had we just had to bump the minimum throttle up. You know, there's a great example of like don't overthink things. You've got all of these options in the nitro gov on the V control. Mm -hmm. All we needed to do was get a gain adjusted and the minimum throttle. You could actually hear it coming out of the high needle through the mid and back down to the low. You know, when you'd unload the head and then you try and reload and it would kind of do that hiccup thing. So we got that bumped up, and I put a freaking smackdown on the gasser, dude. I flew that thing. <laughs> it was I. Jesse was he, there. Yeah, he was, and it was dude, pulling good. Everything I had, I threw at it. I got I mean, to see it afterwards too. I was like hurricanes and aileron TikToks and pyro flips and traveling pyro flips and like I was having a hoot with it absolute blast and that was at 1970 i think 1920 oh yeah there you go 1920 i tell you dan it was freaking awesome absolutely awesome no question that that was great i mean you got to work it still don't get me wrong it won't it won't pyro tiktok not at that head speed i think i'd need to crank it up a little bit more but I was really impressed with the Aileron TikToks. Hmm. I mean, really impressed. 
So yes, that was fun. Man, what else? Just like my helis, I, you know, I got out there flying the trioblin, getting that thing all dialed in. I just they are all back up and flying. Don't don't forget uh, taking all that time and actually going through doing all the optimization, doing oh, yeah. all the pyro okay, stuff, so, doing yeah, the trim right. flight. Do <laughs> quick tip of the day. Yes, for all you V bar people on six right? Get a get a pen and pad, and this comes from like some people with some know how. I've now done it. Uh, Jesse and I have done it and confirm this is the shizzle. Yes. Okay, we ready? So we set up our swash. We get that all level. Doesn't have to be like crazy accurate, but that's how I still do it anyway. You know, swash leveler, Soco. I mean, however you roll to get it all set up and good. I don't use the, what is it, Jesse, the free swash? Yeah, there's an app you can download to like, basically to after get, you go through the swash setup, you can center the servo arms on the servos. Like yeah, you I don't do, do that. I just use the regular menu. So we get it all set up. Okay, first thing, turn your tail optimizer on, your head optimizer on. You know, gains in the middle where it's going to fly okay. Go out there. Do an optimization flight. So full speed right pyros, full speed left pyro, uh, front flips, back flips, left rolls, right rolls. Okay? Take maybe a minute to do that. Bring it back in. Turn the tail optimizer off, head optimizer off. Then, now here's the key. It's got to be dead calm. V-Bar 6.0, trim flight, trim flight, trim flight must. Don't go back to the old 5.3 days where... I swear to God, it actually did more harm than it did good. Maybe that's just me. You, you put it up on your screen, pick it up into the air, and the idea with the trim flight is don't touch the controls. You kind of let it drift. Now, here's something I noticed that was a little quirky. Uh, Jesse's and mine, both the same thing. You kind of have to put it into hover up at a safe distance. Look down at the numbers. You know, so let's say you'll have like minus 10... 20 and 10. And that's kind of an average of when it's just up there hovering. And it will, it'll it like it'll drift at the beginning, but as it starts to correct, you'll notice that the the hover gets more stable with less drifting. Once that you feel that it's the best that it's going to be, and now ready for the unsafe. Oh my god, don't say this. Look down, remember the numbers. So 10 minus 20, 10 or whatever they are land disable the trim flight and then manually put those numbers so back in so is it like an auto tune it's an auto trim for just like, what about the uh, optimization is that like an auto so no the the optimization is to equalize your pyro speeds in both direction and your flip and roll front flip back flip but it left does that right. for you that it does in the optimization for you correct but this the auto trim is to trim it out like in a hover. Right. But it's I remember not, back in the old days we used to do the trim trim flights. Yeah, on. like if you can't get your CG dead on, right? Or even, well, okay, and so I'll get into this. Uh, my three blade, it, it did not pyro flat, period. End of story. You couldn't get that thing. You couldn't pay it to pyro flat until we did all this. So you you just let it sit there. Land, disable your auto trim. You do. Oh, sorry. You do have to uh, force the auto trim on the on the V controller or your software 
before you go up and do it. Land, manually punch those numbers in because the quirky thing is for some odd reason, it will change the numbers by the time you land. Um, I wish that you could like hit a button and save it right there, but okay, that's the quirk. Then um, check your pyros, uh, just like in a hover. Now my two blade and Jesse yours too, right? Yep. We're oh my god, dead flat after yeah, that. You're done after that. I yeah. mean, dead. Why does flat. it? It sounds the same as it was like two years ago. Didn't you have to do that before? No. See, before for some odd reason, I had all my helis set up like dead on before. Uh, you know, I've always been a big CG guy on five. You know, on all of them. But in 5.3, I never had good results with a trim flight. I just never, ever did. It always seemed to make everything worse, and my helis flew better if I didn't touch it. But 6.0, it makes a really big difference. Now, for all you three-blade people, here's where it's cool. I got done with all that, and it still wobbled. And now I knew that because I had been told that that was going to be. So then... I don't know if this is a three-blade quirk or whatever. I know, Justin, you're going to go, what? Pirouette, you go into, like, the swash trim menu for trimming the swash, you know, left and right and forward and back. Yeah. You can do it if you're, let's see, if you're really proficient at your pirouettes, you can get an idea of which way you need to trim by pirouetting and giving small commands, like, Mm-hmm. holding a little bit of right aileron yeah. constantly while you're pirouetting. Uh, truthfully, I found it easier just to, uh, like, land, go, okay, r- uh, right aileron, two clicks. Pick it up, hover and pyro. Whoa, way worse. <laughs> way worse. Set it back down. Okay, back, back lo- left two clicks to center, and then let's go left aileron, two clicks, and try it. And I did it. I, th- I think it ended up being back on mine, like two it's, or three. It still only took you one flight, though, even oh, with yeah, doing no, a trial is, and error method. Like this whole thing, for the record, all of this could be done in one flight. All of this. Yep. So I, I figured it out that on mine, it needed like three clicks of manual back trim on the swash or whatever, and then it was completely perfect. I mean, it's never flown huh. what that perfect ever. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I and it's it's really intriguing to me because I have had helicopters. I never understood why some helis on V bar, like you pick them up and dude, they're dead on right out of the box. They pyro so freaking flat. Other helis didn't. And I couldn't get them to pair a flat. And it was never that bad. I mean, we're talking like one inch dip on the disc as it's going around. But you know, when you're work when you're when you're working on like pirouetting maneuvers, figure eights and circles and circuits, as the heli's coming around or going away from you, you know, you're really focusing like on your stir to make it smooth. And as it's pirouetting around, you see it. Like, you see it do that little wobble, and you think that you're being clunky with your sticks. Like, remember, I think I'd even mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Remember I said, like, 
the three-bladed head was really rigid for me, and I couldn't quite pyro flip it as good. Dude, that's not true. This wasn't pyroing flat. It wasn't pyroing flat. Uh, that's what I was seeing, was that wobble, not me. Huh. Because Jesse saw it on uh, Sunday or whatever it was when we were flying Saturday or Sunday. Yep. I was like, dude, check this out. Smooth as butter pyro flips. So it, it, like that process really just completely, trans I mean, we started doing like to all of them. It was like, we felt like we just won something. It was like, Ooh, I got to do it to this one. Oh, let's do it to this one. New little weird, <laughs> weird tricks you find. But, uh, let's see what else. Yes. Um, got to watch. Oh man. Kip newbie brought out, uh, Dan, you could appreciate this one. The Apache 700 Super Scale from our Sierodyne. No, no, no. AH1 Cobra. Oh, sorry. You're right. AH1 Cobra. Oh, wow. You like he? Oh, so I'm sitting there. <laughs> it is freaking Co badass, dude. Carl's sitting there. Because, like, this is what, remember, we were talking about on the show. Like, this is what I would get if I was, a if I was to get a scale. So I, I got that one sitting there, and then Carl's standing right there with his goblin gasser, and these guys were just pitching me so much crap. They're like, ooh, which one would you rather have? I'm like, ah, oh, you guys suck. I want them both. But, yeah, I got to watch him fly that. Unfortunately, he did crash it. Mm. Not bad. Huh? I'll give him a little bit a of a hard landing. Yeah, he lost the tail. But, yeah, stripped manage. out torque tube gears, actually. Yep. 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 But I got to tell you, he did a great job. He stayed with it. Didn't roll it over. Landed perfectly flat. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> such a, such a smart ass. He's like, well, Kip was saying something. Well, it looks like skid some, uh, some, what was it? The missile launchers. Missile, yeah. Missile pods or rocket pods. <laughs> And she, Jesse's like, wow, there's a parts list you never like thought you'd a, say before. Like, yeah, that's the weirdest parts list I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was just, you know, everything about it, that event for me was perfect from a, from a personal, how much fun did Nick have at a fun fly scenario? I got in lots of flying. I mean, we were just banging them out there for a while. Yep. All the helis were just freaking on point, no problems. And I, I mean, had the trailer, had the family, had the motorhome, had friends. It, it was, it was perfect for me. Wow. Sound like a content man. I'm, dude, I'm riding high, <laughs> loving it. I was waiting, you know, I knew it's how it goes. You have a bad one. And then you know that a good one's coming. So it feels good to be. It was the revitalizing Kool-Aid that I needed to just get back into it. Because I had just a ton of fun. Sweet. Jesse, do you want to go? And then we'll uh, end with the uh, uh, with Justin's uh, experience over the last few weeks, uh, along with a little bit of news to kind of chime in with that. Yeah, that sounds good. So to start, you know, it's been a few weeks since we've been on here. Just high level, built a heli, blew a new heli, went to a fun fly. So 
just right off the bat, it's obviously been a, <laughs> a really good couple weeks. Win. Yeah, exactly. Just lots of check marks there for hobby stuff. But yeah, so a couple weeks ago, got the E7 SE kit, the Synergy kit. And kind of like I mentioned right off the bat, at first I thought it was going to be a really, really crammed build because you know, with people being at Urcha, not being able to get stuff shipped out very quickly, I'm like, okay, this thing's going to show up couple days before Snohomish, I'll have a couple long evenings, get the build done, and maiden it at Snohomish. So luckily that, well, I guess <laughs> I guess I still did end up maidening it at Snohomish, but that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I can't completely say that didn't happen because the weekend before, it ended up showing like showing up basically a week before I left for Snohomish, so the Thursday prior, and it was just build, build, build the first probably two nights on it. I'm um, just getting all the airframe just thrown together, start wiring up the servos and getting everything nice and tidy and clean, kind of doing that do it once, do it right sort of thing. Cause I hopefully I don't have to take this thing apart for quite some time. And so as I'm going through the build though, there's, you know, a couple little quirks like any, any other build, you got to be a little bit careful in which order you build this thing with some you know, like accessing the screws on the elevator servo and the uh, and the gyro tray in the back and just some little things that as you work on the helicopter, you um, you remember and then do it in the correct order the next time because you realize how many screws you have to take yeah. out if you don't do it in the right order. One step over, <laughs> like, two steps back. Yeah, wait a minute. How am I supposed to get this out to plug stuff in? And so whatever, you know, work through all that kind of in the early stages. Another thing that really, really screwed me during the build was remember when I got the Kronos kit and I was like, you know what, guys, for the first time ever, <laughs> I'm going to go through and I'm going to make these servo wires just the perfect freaking length and trim everything yep. just as short as possible. <laughs> Nothing freaking reached. I'm like, you <laughs> You have got to be kidding me. Dude's had his shit untrimmed for like eight years. Yeah, and then I'm like, you know what? Two new, months. New heli, this thing's not going anywhere. I'm trimming everything. Custom lengths, biggest freaking mistake ever. <laughs> it's going to be really tough to trim servo wires again <laughs> after this experience because mostly the, the elevator servos or the... Uh, the I guess the right and left, the the front servos on the swash plate for this helicopter, for the E7, there's they are pretty close to the flybarless unit, but just not quite close enough. And they were a little bit closer on the Kronos to where I have to have like a little one and a half inch servo <laughs> extension <laughs> to get them to reach the freaking V-bar. Oh, dude. Take the servos I mean, apart and resolder some wires back in. Well, in, in the long, long term, that's probably what I'll end up doing, but for... In that moment in time, it was, I got to get this kind thing hurry, built. Right. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to go tearing the servo down, resolder into the board and doing all that stuff. So I just, you know, I had a couple extensions already laying around from previous projects or whatever and kind of my miscellaneous servo wire bag. And so I, I ended up just throwing those in and, you know, it worked out fine, but I was just chuckling the whole time going, I finally tried to make something clean and it just And it bites, bites you in me. the ass. Yeah. So... You know, working through all these things, I got the kit, the airframe was completely assembled, and I went to Snohomish Thursday evening thinking, okay, I have a little bit of programming to do, and then I have some soldering. I hadn't really addressed 
um, building like a series connector and soldering on some connectors on a new stick pack. And so I went there thinking, okay, a couple hours, this thing will be good to go. I was really confident that the airframe was all put together. Everything was Loctited. You know, some programming, soldering, both the blades on and should be ready to go. So head down to the Snohomish Funfly Thursday evening. Um, and kind of as Nick mentioned, um, we did borrow Kayla's parents' truck and trailer to haul down. They actually just got a new 2015 uh, travel trailer, 27-foot travel trailer that they let us use for the weekend. And they came down and joined us Friday evening. And so we kind of got there Thursday night and got our camp all set up and did a little bit of wrenching Thursday night. Nothing serious, just kind of getting, I think I went through and updated the V-Bar and the, or the V-Bar Neo and the V-Control and kind of getting everything refreshed and getting stuff laid out for what I'm going to do in the morning. So starting out in the morning, I cannot believe how much time all that last minute stuff takes. It's like the last, my quote was the last 20% of the build takes 50% of the time because it, it's true by the time. I mean, you think you're done with the airframe and some of the, you know, you got all the servos wired in the V bars, everything's ran to the V bar and plugged in. You're thinking this should, should not be that much more time, but by the time update stuff program and solder, I want to say it was probably two 30 on Friday um, before it was like, all right, let's go fly this thing. And so first initial flights, I was confident, but not confident enough to put on a brand new set of blades. So I still kept <laughs> the zeal <laughs> blades on there. <laughs> you know, there's just that everything looks right. And anymore, you know, you go out there and check the sensor directions on the V bar and make sure everything's correct in the right way. It, you, you at least know it's not going to like tip over on you or anything like that. So wasn't super worried, but just a, it had been a while since I built the heli. So I'm like, you know what? Let's leave these zeal blades on here just for a couple flights. Make sure <laughs> nothing's going to go too wrong. So first flights went great. Started going through, you know, normal tuning routine. Quickly found out the, the canopy is a giant pain in the butt to get on and off on that helicopter. Um, so did a little bit of you know canopy molding with the Nick running the heat gun and kind of molding it, making sure it doesn't rub on the main gear and just creating a little more space up front for the battery. Oh, yeah. And so... I will probably be trying to come up with some sort of fix in the next couple of weeks to deal with the battery interference and the canopy issues. But kind of like Nick mentioned as well with the doing the trim flight, um, I finally did that on Saturday. The CG, I mean, you know, you always want to get everything as mechanically perfect as you can. Level the swash, get the CG dead on. That's just going to, in my opinion, that's still going to lead to an overall better flying helicopter. But with this, with the optimization flights and the trim flight, the thing's still pirouing perfectly flat. And I don't think you'd ever know the difference that it's just a touch tail heavy to keep those batteries slid back just a little bit. And so overall, the flight, you know, flight performance and characteristics of the E7 SE, extremely happy. I did end up picking up a set of rail blades, 696s at the fun fly. And so put a couple flights on those Sunday and we'll be running those on it until it has a meeting with the ground. And then we'll, we'll see what else I'm going to try after that. I did have to add, however, 
you know, running a 120 amp speed controller on a 700 class heli, I was finding that, you know, there's not really any too many holes cut in that canopy. So not a bunch of air circulation up front where the speed controller sits. Stuff was coming down pretty warm, um, quite hot to the touch. I didn't have a temp gun on me, so I don't know exact temperatures, but I, I would just say it was getting near that threshold for the castle ESC to where you're about, you know, that thermal shutdown level. And these were Did still you on check some... the logging, Jesse, because it should no, log I, temperature that's for true. you on default. That's true. I have not pulled the log. Nah, on the, he did I mean, the thumbprint test. Yeah, <laughs> but a, test a lot like, of people crap, get nervous. I mean, most people with like reasonably calloused fingers can hold their thumb on there for a few seconds at 150 F and still that's nowhere near thermal cutoff. Yeah, but I, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good for it. This was oh, like, I, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Like, touch it for a split second. Oh, okay. Then it was pretty I mean, toasty. It was it was pretty. Or you toasty. have girl hands. I've had a most engineers do. We'll, we'll call it a mix. It was. <laughs> yeah. We'll just go hey, somewhere. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One engineer says to the un- other engineer, "You have girl hands." Shit. <laughs> 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 we'll call it somewhere in the middle. But I, I mean, I've I've had a temp gun at the field with me before, so I have a little bit of a you know, concept of some temperatures, and it it was pretty toasty. And so I put one of those little 30 millimeter scorpion fans on there, um, just screwed it right into the fins and holy smokes, that made a world of difference. Um, in my opinion, I think that's, that's the way to go, man. Honestly, I think I would, I think that may be the only way to successfully get away with running a one twenty on a 700 class heli in a location where, you know, there's zero to very low to no airflow going over the speed controller. Um, Cause it, it took it from, you know, where I could barely touch it to just hold my finger on it indefinitely. And so huge difference. And it's not a huge deal to auto it, you know, when it, when it cuts out in flight, but it's just nice knowing in the back of your mind that it's not going to happen. So, Oh, you just reminded me of something. Go ahead. No, go for it. Does it have to do with the thermal shutdown? Uh, kinda. Remember? I had a first. I had an absolute first in all my years in the hobby. Justin, you would be proud. You kind of got to see it a little bit. But I... Last episode, I had mentioned that I had had some tail problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I found it. Yeah? (laughs) Oh, he found it all right, Dan. I I found it in a hurry. I got, you know what sucks? A shutdown in the middle of a Pyro TikTok. That's a bad day. Yeah? (laughs) I was banging him just like, full full speed Pyro, you know, behind because it's been a while since we've really got some good flights in. So they were pretty ugly. And I was working it pretty hard, and it's just like, and just shut off. (laughs) Oh, oh, shit. (laughs) So I got it autoed in, broke the skids, uh, because it did land. It landed fairly hard. Skids and two servo horns, no big deal. Dude, I desoldered a motor bullet. Wow. That's right. Serious business. 
that had and that that had been de- I think but it had when been you see it for some time, yeah, exactly. He didn't really desolder a motor bullet. He shook the shit out of it hard enough <laughs> for the remaining tendril of solder to fail. <laughs> That's right. This thing, it it was bad, man. I mean, it it was. I don't even know. Like the end of the wire kind of looked like a a chia pet. It wasn't. Like there was no, it was like you took a chia pet and shoved it in a a coal mine and then brought it back out. And the, the bullet where you, the wire would go in was that like, I got the connector so hot that I'm, I misshaped the connector on the back. Wow. Oh yeah. it, It, this was bad. I mean, this was my tail problem that I was having. For a while, intermittently, is when you would load it really hard. It was actually the motor that was shutting off for a split second. Absolutely amazing that the whole sumbitch didn't light on fire. <laughs> and the only thing that held it together that long was the heat shrink over the bullet. You know, kind of holding it, like, together. But it got so friggin' hot around in there that it melted my heat shrink. Like, together. All the motor bullets were stuck together. The heat shrinks were, like... They had become one. It was, it was, it was, Dude, it was pretty messed seriously? up. Seriously. Well, yeah, you know, the, the reason that you discovered this was after you had that shutdown, you fixed all the parts and we went over to the south flight line and oh, set yeah, the helicopter down and went to spool it up and it just did those, like, the beeps, you know, how it's it's trying to spool up. Oh, dude, just nothing bad. The motor's talking to you. It's like, eh, yeah, eh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, eh, eh, I'm going to light on like, fire. I'm going to light on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Seconds before the whole canopy goes up in flames. Yeah, exactly. But and I didn't Nick, know. Nick is no stranger to that experience. So no. He must oh, have he was been quick. He like was running. PTSD. Dude, was, yeah. It was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then it's, you know, then you're going, okay, which one is it? You're right? like, oh, maybe I mean, try it one more time. <laughs> which one is bad? Let's try it one more time to see if one of them lights on. Apparently, my troubleshooting process is if you're not sure which one it is, try it one more time, and then you'll know whichever one lights on fire first. Oh, man. I like that approach. Yeah. yeah. So I was actually pulling it out to put uh, to put another speed control in there, another speed controller in there. And just when I went to go unplug the bullets, it was like, whoop. Wire oh just boy. pulled right out. Okay, Smoking so what's, what's the lesson learned here, man? Because there's a root cause behind all of this. And you I know, think I, it has something to do with your soldering job. Well, so what Better. I'm kind of, it probably was. You know, it, it was, I have no doubt. I mean, I have had impeccable luck over the years. Um, I like to say I'm proficient at soldering. I've never had any solder, uh, connectors desolder, nothing. So my guess... You have had a lot of ESCs light on fire. I have had a lot of ESCs. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than the other three of us combined. That is true. That and is, and doubled. Accurate. I'm not going to say anything. It's that. Probably knowing me, I had a dirty iron. That would be my guess. Um. I didn't get my iron, you know, I didn't clean my iron in between each bullet when I'm soldering. I have a bad habit of that where you're like, oh, that looks like crud. Well, we'll just, I'm not getting any 
connectivity right there. We'll just roll the iron over a little bit. Oh, there's a hot spot. And then start soldering. I know that's horrible. Uh, it was probably just a crappy soldering joint. Man. But the other thing is if you routinely reach down and feel your connectors at the end of a flight, you that's may right. have picked it up as well. That's oh, true. I guarantee you. You can't melt you can't melt heat shrink to heat shrink without some serious yeah, heat. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Sorry. That was my uh my auto rotation. The moral of the story no, is was... keep your tip clean. Keep <laughs> never go in with a dirty tip. Ever. Nope. It's bad news. Not gonna work. Even if it you means you gotta tip. dip it into the uh the sponge a couple of extra times <laughs> before you go at it. Oh, Poochie. Okay. So that was that was kind of the flying side of the fun fly. Um, got in quite a few flights. Felt it had been a few weeks since I touched a transmitter, so felt great to fly. Stuff finally kind of started coming back by midday Saturday. The point, you know, I was getting comfortable with the helicopter. It was getting more dialed in with the tune and just having it kicking back and having a good time flying. So then from the other side of things... You know, it was just an awesome, awesome fun fly. Like Nick mentioned, tons of family around, tons of good food, good cooking, just hanging out, having a good time. I don't think any of us did any night flying whatsoever. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think pretty much once the sun started going down, it was, you know, grab some drinks, eat some food and sit around the little yep. fire that we had going and don't really just kick back and talk and hang out and have a good time so it was a really really enjoyable fun fly and for me it was i mean it, since i didn't make it to othello this was the first fun fly of the year for me <laughs> as late <laughs> at, as late as it is in the season this was the first one wow season's almost over yeah. dude well, we still got two more fun flies that's true that i'm that going was, to oh that was the cool part so see we got you know we got all the, the you know, the wives are all oh, there the having same a page. grand time now, right? And then they're talking about cooking Jesse. Oh, Jesse, you guys had this feast. Dude, we do oh, food gee. when we go to these types of things. We do food. Yeah, those are the kind of people that you want to <laughs> hang out with, right? I mean, I will take people that like to cook a lot of food versus people that get really shit-faced and romp up against my camper in the middle of <laughs> any day. What if they do both, Nick? In which order? Whichever order you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I'll take the food because we ate, we ate like a king. And then, you know, then the wiser are there like, oh, well, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to all pull together and we're going to make this and we're going to make this. And so we had kind of decided, we were like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Brett's event, uh, the Sagebrush. Tri-Cities right? one, yeah. Tri-Cities, uh, the Sagebrush Smackdown, I think it's called. Yep. Uh, you know, we're like, okay, here's the deal, ladies. This is a boys' weekend. We're going down there. We're just taking the boys. We're going to go down there. And we're, we're all thinking we're all cool. Like, yeah. this is how it is. And we're, <laughs> they're like, like we're laying down the so. law. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you are. Oh, you are. Well, actually, we're going. <laughs> and see what they thought. See, this was planned by me. Yeah. It was. It perfect. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to go, which I know has about a 10% success rate of actually working. <laughs> y 
you're going to say, oh, uh-uh, no, we're going, we're all going, and then I get to go. Because oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Well yeah. played yeah. indeed. That's right. I got to see Perfect. if that works. I don't know if I'm going to that one yet. I know you just tell her. You're you tell go, her. Yeah. You don't. I will. And then, yeah. And then she'll be like, well, I'm not, I'm not staying here alone. Then I'm going with you. And you're like, oh, well, fine, fine. But guess what? You get to go. Sweet. True. I'm going to try that Pretty on my true. cats next time. <laughs> Crooked head. I'm going. I'm going, Crooked head. You sit your ass here and don't knock shit off my table while I'm gone. Listen to me. I'm sick of your shit. I'm out. I'm going. I don't want to hear nothing about it. I don't want none of your flag. No meows from you. For the, for the most part, I think that was uh, that was Snohomish 2015. So, great event. And, yeah, had a blast. Can't wait. Cannot wait till our fun fly now. So, like Nick was saying, the... The women have all the food planned out, and I, I think it's just going to be a, a fun, busy but fun event. So this last week, I've actually been doing a little bit of heli stuff. Um, so I have to admit, which I know this is the first thing you should do when you retire some packs, is you should throw them away because <laughs> supposedly you've already qualified them as not flyable, or you know something has happened where. They're not suitable to fly in your heli anymore. And so as soon as that happens, you should just come home, drain them to zero, snip the leads off or whatever, you know, whatever you do to bring your batteries down, get rid of them. Well, I have to admit, I may have kept them sitting around at a storage charge. And I kind of got my, my curiosity got peaked um, sitting there Tuesday night or Monday, Monday night, whatever. And I was bringing the uh, the opti power packs that I have back down to a storage charge and I kind of you know the the Gen's ace packs are still the the gold 55360 um, packs which even in their prime were a, a solid 30 to 35c and they've been sitting you know in the garage which has been right around 70 degrees 65 70 degrees for quite some time it just not being charged or discharged, just sitting there. So I'm like, why don't I kind of check some IRs? I'm just curious. Throw them on the eye charger and check the IRs on one, check the IRs on the other, see how they compare. And I was really, really surprised to find that a couple of them have lower internal resistances as a complete pack than my OptiPower packs with 10 cycles on them. Yes. But it's not the whole picture, so don't tell me you just re unretired them or something. No, I haven't. Like I, have not, I haven't done anything yet. They're still sitting there. He texted me. He's like, "So explain this to me." And I was like, "I don't know. I don't have an explanation, but I do know that I think you made it about two minutes into the last flight. I saw you fly but, with them before it freaking shut down. But so they're if dead. you remember back, my series connector kept having a an EC5 connector come unsoldered on it. I did not reuse that series connector on the E7. Dirty tip, dude. That that series connector desoldered three times, and then I only ever put like 10 more flights on it or five to 10 more flights on it before it all got torn out and the heli got torn down. And so that is not getting transferred over to the new helicopter. And so it, it just kind of got me thinking a little bit 
So, Justin, what were you saying that that's not the full? So, you know, taking the IRs, I can do it through the main leads and get the total pack IR. You can hook up the balance leads and see cell individual cell IRs. And what are they? There are all less than two. Most, you know, fifty-three hundreds. Fifty-three hundreds, all less than two. Most of them have two or three that register. See this, and this is on the iCharger. So you're going to get full, you know, zero, one, or two. And so all of them have a couple that are zero. They have a couple that are one, and they have one or two cells that are two. Oh, dude, without decimal points, that's really hard to say. For but a 5,000 milliamp hour at, pack, 1.3 milliohms average is a 30C cell. Yep. And so even at, I think, so what I did was add them all up and divide by the number of cells and get like, a, you know, I think I got 1.45 average um, for them. Yeah, but if it drops like, I mean, isn't that kind of a red flag? Oh, I just desoldered three series connectors in a row. Don't you think that like a massive voltage sag would drive your amperage through the ceiling and start desoldering connectors? I don't know. Do I think it's worth It could also be just poor soldering. But what I was going to say is it's about the capacity too. And that's mm-hmm. why it's really useful to have, and I, I don't know if you've gotten it since you got the V-Control, but the uh, capacity meter, the milliamp hours consumed, yep. um, what's really nice with those sorts of things is to be able to run a fixed duration flight with whatever flight style you want and get it down to a certain amount consumed, say 3,000, right? Yep. And then actually go and look at what your cell voltages are. Mm-hmm. And for example, on the dual power lab, it actually has a fuel table and yep. it will tell you what percentage was left in the pack. Um, yep. What you'll find oftentimes is that the IRs will start to creep up, but not before actually reducing the overall useful capacity. And so gotcha. you just hit you hit low voltage cutoff a lot earlier. I've mm-hmm. seen that a lot more often with the speed packs than than um, getting to a point where the IR is so untenable it's not worth flying. It does eventually get there, and yeah. if I fly them out through my 3D helis, but the first sign is always an LVC, and it's because it used to be a 5,000 milliamp hour pack, and now it's effectively only like 3,500. So my alarm for timer or capacity consumed, it's not valid anymore because I'm gotcha. eating more than it has to give me. Yep. Yep. So and that's exactly what you saw happen with yours. Is yeah. They just kept that, degrading more and yep. more. And Were more you getting LVCs? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I know. Ne- well, like I said, I never went and pulled logs. I just kind of trashed them. I was like, ah, it's got to be the batteries. But now that I'm looking at some of the IRs. I guess all I'm saying is I think it might at least be worth a check before I go out and spend another 500 bucks on packs. Sure, sure. I, put, them I in the agree, heli yeah. for a, put them in the heli for a flight and see what happens. It's going to take no additional wiring. I can just CG them out, strap them in there. And, and get ready what, to auto. And, and see what happens, honestly. And if it ended up being a couple bad solder joints on the series connector, then I might find myself with some more packs. And if not, then I'm still in the same boat with couple hours down the drain but never know so worth a shot with those of us that have uh like a 306b that doesn't do decimals Mm -hmm. you're checking the irs 
Are you are you saying that's not a reliable? It's it's rounding. So I would assume if you're one point four or below, you're going to see a one, and if you're one point five yeah. or above, you're going to so see a two. Which get, is why it's not reliable. So which is why it, yeah that brings a level of error. So then, is there another solution like a like a standalone unit, or oh, do yeah. we have to go to a bigger ESR unit? meter? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Progressive yes, yeah. sells an ESR meter that works. Um, what I've been telling people lately is, and and this really is the truth, the way you measure IR is all relative. You can do it DC, you can do it AC. Each charger brand has its own algorithm. The ESR mm-hmm. meter does it completely differently as well. And so if you want to compare apples to apples, you really need to be able to say what charger or what device you're using to read it. My ESR meter consistently reads about three-tenths of a milliohm or so higher than my dual power lab and my eye charger for the same the same cell. And so as long as you're measuring it with the same thing over and over again, you can compare your packs to other of your yeah. packs. And that's kind of what I was doing that that's what got me going on this first was I was comparing them to a brand new set of OptiPowers that had just had 10 cycles on them and three out of the four had lower IRs. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, apples to apples, but like you said, that doesn't take into account the capacity loss from usage. So we'll see. I think I'm going to Velcro them in and try them for a flight. And you did mention it, but I do have the current sensor for Good. the V control. Um, and this was, you know, on the E7 build, I didn't ever get it wired in. I've had it for a little while. I didn't get it wired into the Kronos. Um, just was everything was laid out up front. But when I went through into this E7 build, I did wire in the current sensor. And so this last weekend at Snohomish was the first time I got to mess around with that. And pretty impressive with, you know, the amount of data that thing records and now you integrate that with the whole battery logging app on the B control. So now every time I plug in my flight packs, it asks which battery are you running? And I select, you know, OptiPower 5000s and it logs cycles and I think it even saves the last I want to say 15 flights of data so you can go download all those graphs to Excel if you want and you know, analyze however deep you want to. So are you finding the capacity meter actually gives you accurate numbers? I have been, every single one has been within 75 yep. milliohms. Perfect. Um, milliohms, so, milliamp hours. Milliamps, yeah, yes. milliamps. Um, and so accurate enough to the point where when I was breaking them in, I set I set it at 65% capacity use for, for it to trigger an alarm. And now I'm going to go to like 75. Yep. Um, once they're Once they're broken. So accurate enough for me to feel confident that it's not going to over discharge my pack. So liking it. Um, other than that, I hate you. That's been the last two weeks. Yeah. We got all the cool stuff. It's got all the gadgets. You just wait. There's even more. You don't even, I don't even have like the wireless sensors where if you have those on every single battery and then the receiver on your helicopter, you don't even have to tell it which packs you have. It just, it already knows. Makes me hate you. Just plug in your packs. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. But secretly want one even more than that. I don't think so. Meh. I don't think no, so, man. If no one hates you, you must not be doing something right. <laughs> right. So, hey, compliment. That's that's all I got. It's been my. That's weeks. all, huh? Justin doesn't. Justin what doesn't want a V bar? 
Jeez. No, my jetty does perfectly fine with all that and more, so I'm not too worried. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I'm trying to uh, pro- trying to provoke. I'm trying to guide you guys into a verbal fight here. You Spat. want? Do you want into sort of a, a little? Um, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Nope. I'm going to take the moral high road. Nag Jetty sucks. I hope. Wow, that was that was pretty. Dry, Jesse. You didn't go into the imagination on that one. If we program Justin's radio, it would say. Please keep flying straight. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Turn left. Fly Turn straight left. faster. Turn left. <laughs> Turn left. Oh, wow. Now go up. Wait for it. Back down. Fly straight again. <laughs> Dude, she doesn't have a British accent. She should. Well done. She could oh, if yeah. you wanted her to. Oh, wait, where's that thing made? Uh, it's from Czech Republic. Oh, I don't have a Czech accent. Yeah, bring it. I don't have one. I don't have one. <laughs> Not even an attempt, huh? I don't even know. Like, I feel like I would offend a complete different... You would offend like an entire it. continent, dude. <laughs> no. That's why I want you to do it. Czech, isn't that? What do they speak in the Czech Republic? Czech, Czech. <laughs> what? What? Oh, dude, what? just leave it alone. <laughs> what does Czech sound like? Czech? I have no idea, man. Is it like? Is it more Russianish or? They all sound the same. Germanish. I have no idea. Why don't you do some research on it and get back <laughs> okay, to us next week? He's going to start YouTubing like the Czech accent. Yeah, I'll come back with a Czech accent. I Give promise. him 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Does that wrap it up, Jesse? Yeah, that's that's all. That's all I've been up to. That's probably the most I've reported in like six months. So. I was gonna say, holy <laughs> crap, dude! Between you and Nick, it's been like an hour. It's been you, it's been a solid. Can you run. work on spreading that out over uh, the next hundred episodes next time? Yeah, please. <laughs> it's been it's been fun. Feeling good. Back just into little it. bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, just feed it. You Why do us? It doesn't have to notes. be current. So three months ago I did (laughs) When shopping online for heli parts Two most important considerations We look for are selection and customer service Lowerheli.com Not only has the selection you need To get your helis back in the air Ken also prides himself on having The best customer service in the business I recently made a purchase with Ken At lowerheli.com was anxiously awaiting the arrival of some new heli tools. When it didn't show up, I gave Ken a call. Without hesitation, he was willing to send me another package, even though the tracking confirmed delivery. I told Ken to hold off for a day or two, and sure enough, the post office found my package and got it to me. This just goes to show LowerHeli.com is willing to go the extra mile for you. If you want great selection and excellent customer service, www.LowerHeli.com. That's where you'll find it. So we're going to, obviously we're changing things up this episode a little bit. 
didn't really go into a news, but what we thought we'd do, um, since most of what we had considered news-ish kind of revolves around what Justin, uh, you know, going to Urchin and everything, had a chance to kind of, kind of, you know, touch and feel and see some of this stuff. So we're going to let Justin start. And then what we're going to do is uh, just kind of bring up some of the news topics as he's going through his Urcha experience. The Justin Can Urcha I start? experience. Sweet. Can I start? Well, you Can guys start? don't want to hear start? about my Snohomish experience? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Okay. You ran out of time. Yeah. Jesse's, uh, Jesse's father-in-law makes badass ribs. That's that all was I a have to six say. Six-hour process. That. Yeah, that yeah. was freaking fantastic. Go Traeger pellet grill. The only way to do it. And Jesse makes a really awesome face on video when Justin does this. Oh pass my god! I so okay. I so I about killed Caleb because you guys texted for it, and I'm like, do not send it. Do not send it. Nick, oh, you're doing sent. some edits on that, right? <laughs> do I? Ha- I don't have it. Wait a minute. I will send it she, to you. She sent yes, it. What, she are, we, sent what it are we talking too. about here? Oh, I'm going to send it to Dan. Hold on. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So while we're it's doing this, like I'll that. give you like a super quick thing. Last two weeks have been crazy. Lots of work, even after Urcha. I didn't get any flying in since Urcha. So Snohomish was the first opportunity. Didn't show up until about Friday afternoon i don't know like five or six uh dan and or nick and jesse already covered most of it we had a really good time my family showed up hung out with their family auden and charlie had a blast um i had some wrenching that i needed to do like typical i was not ready for the fun fly but i kind of knew that going into it and so you know no big deal at the end of the day but the 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 nice part about this the nice part about this was that I did get to do some speed flying. And, you know, the, the Snohomish event's huge. They had, like, what, 95 registered pilots, I want to say, something like 97, that? 97, 98, something like that. Okay. So 97, 98, something like that. And uh, I wanted to get some speed flying in on the Diablo. Not because I wanted everyone else to worry about it, but because I kind of wanted to fly. And, uh, and so I walked up there, got my heli all ready. Now I need the entire, the entire space. I can't, you know, go in there and fly alongside other people because I'm going to take up the entire damn, I'm going to take up the entire damn field. So I go up there, I go to center stage and I tell Reyes, who's on the mic, Hey dude, can you, uh, kind of make an announcement and get a couple of people cleared out here or let them know when they land to clear out so I can fly. Anyway, long story short, I go and fly the Diablo speed. It wasn't my best flight. I was rusty. I had some sloppy stuff. I even had a pitch up because of how gusty it was. But the last couple of downwind runs were really nice. And I think got the gr- the crowd pretty excited. Uh, however, their excitement paled in comparison to Jesse's, uh, which you will now be able to see in the video that I just <laughs> messaged you, Dan. Go ahead and give that one a send it to me too, look please. At. Hang on a second. Oh my god. Right at the end. Can you guys hear it? Is it a long one? No. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I gotta zoom it in a little bit. What was that look all about, dude? It's pure excitement. Is that what that was? <laughs> I swore his freaking lower jaw fell off, dude. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I had to zoom in to see it. Nice, dude. <laughs> and Kayla like stopped videoing right as Jesse's right face came up. So it's like, like I said, it's like not frozen in your mind after the video's over. So Nick, you need to get a, a screen deal. capture of that and we'll post it up on. Yep. Uh, we're going to do a little oh, edit. On beautiful. That one. Beautiful. Nice. Man, I love you guys. <laughs> Just rubbing it in. That that was my snow homish weekend. I had a lot of fun. Got some R five flying in. Still doing some tuning on that. Trying out some different blades. Uh, Diablo speeds running great. Even got a little bit of action in on the seven seventy. I I came there with the intent of getting the three eighty finally rebuilt after like eight or ten weeks. Didn't happen. Even though I've got the parts, I also was going to night fly. But as Jesse I think alluded to in his section. When the lights went down, I pretty much just kind of relaxed with everyone else, hung out around the campfire and listened to Todd do his best at a Bodos MC impression. And how'd that go? Todd, I love you, man, but we need we need Bodos back, dude. We need Bodos back. Seriously, it was rough. It was rough. I love Todd. Todd's an incredible instructor. When it comes to flying, but we got a little practice. At, at one point, we threatened Reyes to get a little tipsy, and then the three of us head over to the mic <laughs> and take over. Yeah, but it never escalated to that. So before that, though, of course, I went to Urcha. And that was at the beginning of the month. It's been a few weeks now. I, I got to say... I know you guys recorded one episode without me while I was there, but it has been since I want to say the end of July since I've recorded Mm -hmm. and it has sat uneasy with me ever since it feels uncomfortable. Uh, I I mean the last time I, I can't remember the last time I missed an episode, but I know it's only been a few times in since I've been on the show, one of which was uh, Charlie being born that week. And man, I just don't like it. I like being on the mic with you guys every Thursday or Friday night. So I'm glad to be back. Uh, Eh, No, you don't like it, Dan. We could take it or leave it. All right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm here now. So, and I'm talking. Happy happy to have you back. Thanks. Great. Just giving you shit. That's okay. No problem. Urcha was an awesome experience, um, you know, both from a personal standpoint in in what I was looking for out of it, as well as, uh, you know, in general for the the heli hobby itself and being able to come back to the show and talk a little bit about it. Uh, By now, um, I think uh, Facebook has divulged all of the details of my particular experience i tried to keep people posted on a combination of my personal wall and the rchn wall kind of sort of like a day-to-day chronicling of my experience most of which at least for the first few days was spent at the speed cup Um, and i won't go into significant detail on that it was an awesome experience both from directing it or co-directing it and also competing in it 
Uh, I was fortunate enough to fly uh, well enough to pull a fourth place uh, on Unlimited with my Diablo speed, which I am incredibly proud of. Congratulations. Thank you. How many out of how many? I mean, that's Uh, four out of, I think, 15. Nice. And the three above me, uh, Oliver Jelen, uh, Chen Xiang, and Robert Six, are all either previous or current uh, winners. Uh, you know, Ollie Jelen has won the Urcha Speed Cup for Team Henslet for a, a number of years in the past. Chen Xiang was the guy who made the new unofficial world record at the France 3D Cup speed event earlier in this uh, spring at 326 average. And then Robert Six just won the Poding Speed Cup uh, this earlier this year. So coming in fourth behind those guys was just awesome. Uh, I was super excited about that. And then I also came in first place on the Mini Unlimited with the R5. But here's the deal, right? First out of two. <laughs> I'll still take it, but I would have felt better if there were more. So there weren't. And okay, so that was the class in the middle size wise. Yeah, that was Mini Unlimited B, which is like five to six hundred class helis, and then the A is below five hundred. Okay. How many there people were, ended up in the A? A had four or five, I think. A so couple of as- Goblin three eighties, couple of Oxies. There was one guy that was going to do a JR Forza four fifty, but I think. Um, uh, wasn't able to get it together at the last minute, something like that. Hmm. But overall, I, I mean, be more in that. Class, yeah, right? same here. Yeah, I honestly, I think it was it was sort of relatively speaking a last minute addition, yeah. right? I I only added that to the rules probably a month and a half or two prior. And also, I think there's a bit of an intimidation factor because on average, I think the guys in the mini classes are those who are just getting their feet wet and don't have a full size speed machine, but want to give it a try. And they were great sports. I mean, I'm glad that they came out. I wish we saw more, but the guys that did come out, not a single one of them came out cocky. They were they were very, uh, you know. Uh, willing to take advice and learn. They were asking a lot of questions. Um, And so uh, it it had the right spirit. And I'd say in general, the entire Speed Cup event was like that. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with uh, a listener and and also he's become a very good friend of mine, Speed Buddy, Todd Ginky, who is a fellow Diablo Speed owner. He and I kind of planned our trip together And we spotted for each other. You know, we go back and forth and talk, you know, speed stuff and nerd stuff. Anyway, Todd, Todd put it really uh, well in his sort of review of the experience on Heli Freak. And that is that it had a very Olympic Games feel. It, It was very international. I mean, we had people from Germany, from Switzerland, from Japan, from China, Taiwan, U.S., all over the place. And no one was really competing against each other as much as they were competing against themselves. And you could see that because in a lot of the downtime that we had with the rain uh, and getting stuff set up, getting the timing system set up and calibrated, people were there just talking shop. 
just hanging out and having fun, exchanging stories and giving advice and helping people out. Uh, myself and Chen, I think, became pretty good friends for the time that we had to do so. He was the other guy that flew the R5 in the Mini B. And for the first two days when we weren't able to put on the event because of the rain, we were flying back to back and sharing tuning, you know, advice and changing out blades and having all sorts of different, you know, shop talk over the new R5. So that was it was pretty cool. And I think that's really what it's all about. So that helped bring the guys that wanted to fly the mini models in and feel more comfortable because it wasn't a bunch of people not talking to each other and pissing and moaning about who did a tenth of a mile per hour better. So that was that was Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday was the competition. We had to get it all done in one day. Now, in between there, I bounce back and forth between uh, center state, you know, main main flight line, I guess, is the right terminology in the speed cup. For those who haven't been at Urcha, uh, site three, which is the speed cup site, is about a mile or so drive away. And so with a golf cart that can take, you know, a good eight or ten minutes. Uh, and so it's not all that convenient to move back and forth between the speed cup site and the main site. And with everything that was going on with the competition, I just kind of hunkered down and focused on staying there for a good portion of the time. But during the rain, I did get over the main to the main flight line. Uh, it was, it was definitely a different experience guys from when we all went last year. I think I was talking to either, I think it was Nick on the phone the first day. I showed up Tuesday afternoon, got to the field about, I'd say, 5 o'clock. And the most striking thing about it is on the main flight line, there were very few people there and very few vendors set up. Now, we rolled up about, I want to say, 2 or 3 in the morning on Wednesday. Does that sound about right last year? Mm-hmm. And... I can recall us getting up at eight or nine in the morning and getting our tent set up for the first first day. And while we didn't have a lot of opportunity to walk up and down the flight line that first day, I had the feeling that there was a lot more prepared at that time in the event. Of course, Urcha proper, I don't think really begins until Thursday morning. And I got to see that in full force uh, when I showed up this year. Tuesday night, I'd say easily 50% or more of the vendor tents were not populated. Or it was a tent that had the little urchin name tag on it, like, you know, Castle Creations, Booth West 12, and then one banner for the product. No tables set up, no chairs, no product, no people in sight. So it was very weird. There were still a bunch of people flying, getting an opportunity into to you know, uh, take advantage of the flight line early on before all the pros came in Wednesday rolls around. And of course we didn't have the speed event until Thursday, Friday. And so Wednesday was a setup day in practice. And in between, I made it back and forth between the main flight line as well. And same thing. Now there were a lot larger number of vendors set up, but we're still talking like I'd say 20, 25% of the tents were not fully populated at all on Wednesday. Uh, and the ones who were, 
were taking their time. You know, they weren't they weren't hitting the ground running at 9 a.m. We had tents that were slowly rolling up to 10 or 11 or even noon before they got everything set up. And I, I kind of wonder whether and I, I'll talk about this a little bit later as we get into it, but I kind of wonder whether that was somewhat a sign of. Uh, the the industry atmosphere this year we've talked a lot about is the heli hobby in decline or are certain sectors you know dying off that sort of a thing it, it just felt a lot quieter in general interesting thursday rolled around that was the rain day everyone was set up but no one hardly did anything at the speed cup we couldn't even fly for until I'd say probably five or six o'clock in the evening, we ended up flying right until sunset at about nine thirty. So that was good. We did get some practice in, but I did spend a good amount of time around the the main flight line at that point. There were still people out there doing their demos. I mean, that was really crappy for a lot of the companies that had demo slots on Thursday. Sometimes their only demo slot because they weren't a diamond or a gold sponsor, or whatever Urcha calls them, and so they had to go out and fly in the rain. Or in, you know, the sprinkling, misting, if you will. There were a handful of tents that actually didn't get set up that time either. But Thursday was kind of nice. I got to hang out with the people who were there, spend a lot of time at my uh, my own personal sponsors tents and walking back and forth, talking to people, ran into a ton of listeners uh, I got to say, I can't thank you guys enough for all of the shout outs um, you know, shaking hands, pulling me aside, kissing and, babies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did kiss two babies. No, just joking. <laughs> but uh, the listeners are great. I mean, I and I feel terrible. We've talked about this before, right? I mean, these guys, these guys know us because they hear us every week and they've seen us online. Uh, a lot of people I do. I did remember and I either remembered the name or if I didn't remember the name, I remembered the face. But there were new people, too. And so I'd be walking along and I'd get a Justin from like 100 feet away and not know who the hell it is and then have to do the awkward thing where I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? Oh, OK. Yeah, I remember you now. So don't take it personal, guys. I'm horrible at remembering people. But uh, it was greatly appreciated, whether it was a, a new meeting or it was shaking hands again. Uh, Friday, let's see, Friday was all speed cup. That was the competition, 42 people in one day. And that was from basically 730 in the morning until about 1130 or noon. And then we had to hold because Urcha doesn't want us to run the competition during their power hour especially on Friday or Saturday, because companies pay big money to, to uh, get their pilots up there and in, in those big time slots. And so if the speed cup is pulling spectators away from that, the companies don't like that idea at all. So we had a little bit of a break, about an hour, hour and a half break, came back in the afternoon, finished it all off. We were done by, I'd say, about four or five o'clock. And then I spent the rest of my time back at the main flight line, hanging out with people, checking out the pilot's raffle. Did you guys see the picture of the pilot's yes. raffle area? What are your thoughts on that, Dan? Skip. Because you were there last year. Yeah. You saw, I mean, just how larger than life yeah. 
the pilot's raffle table was. You know, and that's, we're hearing that from other people about other events as well. Oh, yeah. It's just going around. There's something going on. Don't know specifically what's causing it, but yeah, I definitely, I saw the pictures that you sent, and I think that uh, it definitely looked a little less populated. (laughs) Yeah, it was. The year before. I mean, we, I'd have to estimate that it was maybe a third to a, a quarter at best, a third of what we saw last year. I mean, they, they were still throwing stuff out into the crowd like they did before, but it just didn't have the same energy in the air as the, the prize raffle time did uh, when we were there last time. Do you think a lot of that had hmm. had to do with the fact that it was just our first time and we didn't quite know? You know, that is a really good point. And I'm, I didn't I'm, have a reference. I'm absolutely willing to accept that because as I mentioned earlier, dude, we didn't get out much no. last year, right? I mean, we were focused on the podcast. And I know we did the thing where like two of us have an hour off while the other two man the tent and then we switch. But even then, I, I never felt like I got to walk the entire flight line without being rushed right. because I had to get back and keep track of the time. And, you know, you still got to talk to people. But even so, talking to a number of, of vendors um, of friends that are in the industry, I think there was a general consensus that things were much slower this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that, but um, I just wonder how how much that played a part in your perception based on just the limited amount of urches that you've been. To. Yeah, and I, I mean, I went into it tempering my thought process with that thinking hey dude the first time you were here it was larger than life and this was a big deal and you were super excited you made the pilgrimage so the second time it can't be as exciting right well yes that's true but even so i think there was a general lack of energy in the air for the entire event yeah and that was you know i gotta say it was quite a contrast going from the main flight line to the speed cup. And again, it's a personal bias thing, but there was a lot of excitement at the speed cup site. We had a ton of spectators. I mean, at one point, so, you know, uh, (laughs) Enrico and Stefano uh, finally convinced Bert to go and fly the prototype speed competition. And they said, dude, you're competing with this thing. We got it all set up. We're, you're competing with it. So he came over the night before to practice. The whole freaking SAB team showed up. And of course, that comes with it a crowd, right? So at, at one point during practice hours, we had like, I'd say 50, 60 people out there. It was really awesome. You go back to the main flight line and there were pockets of that, like, Matt, Matt and Amy, man, they always do a good job of keeping the energy up. They were down on the uh, on the west hand side of the of the main flight line. They had their whole synergy crew out there. Those guys are all about having fun. They're out there flying on a regular basis. Um, You know, very rarely does a lot of time go by between a synergy pilot being up at their main station. But, you know, you didn't generally get that from all of the uh, all of the the companies out there. 
SAB was another one. But of course, SAB is it's a big company. So yeah. they've got a lot more pilots to go and, and, and get out there. Not many aligned guys? <sighs> no, dude. Not a lot of aligned guys. Uh, Mikado was there. Uh, they, they had a fair number of people. I, I would say that their tent was probably about the same size. Uh, Scorpion, you know, Georges, he's, he always brings it. He always brings it. He had his huge tent there, uh, had all his pilots there, uh, lots of demo time for Scorpion. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to go anywhere in any of the pits or any of the, the individual vendor tents without seeing a model that has Scorpion hardware in it. Yeah. So, uh, yep. but, but even, even so, I think, I think even George felt that things were slower this year than uh, in previous years. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we questions. Excitement yeah, in that's here. right. It was actually, dude, I think it was because you weren't there, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Are you done? I, now I have questions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, bring it up, man. Whenever. All right. We say it all the time. We are the 99%. I have Alan with me to tell me about his experiences with the Soko Heli tool. Well, Dan, I am the 99%. But the Soko Heli tool has redefined the way that I set up helicopters. I've owned the Soko Heli tool for almost six months now, and I've used it on every helicopter that I have. I love it because you can pair it with the app. You can set your swash plate up level every time without using a swash leveling tool. The blades are already tracked before you make your first flight. All you're concentrating on is fly barless tuning because you've done it right and it is exceptionally easy with the Soko Heli tool. Thanks, Alan. Well, there you have it, folks. Straight from the horse's mouth, the heart and soul of the hobby. So if you're looking to find out more about the Soko Heli tool, you can go to www.soko-heli-tools.com. The one competition. Oh, yes. Oh, that was interesting. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, okay, here we go. Now, I heard that um, a lot of the guys really brought it. I mean, stepped it up. And if you guys haven't had a chance, go out and search the flights. Watch um, the videos for sure. Definitely Kyle Dahl and Kyle Stacy, from what I gathered, were, uh, is it safe to say way ahead of the rest? Mm, okay, so here's the deal. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there just blunt. Kyle Stacy owned the shit out of everyone. That's Justin's view of the world, okay? Yeah. Plain and simple. Kyle Dahl was good. He had good stuff. But what was funny to me, and I, and I think it's because of the way that everything worked out with the results, what was funny to me was that Duncan didn't get much uh, airtime in terms of what he did, and I thought his flight was really awesome. I, I mean... Plain and simple, all of the competitors, I think, stepped it up a couple of notches from what we saw last year when we were there. But, I mean, you had Duncan brought two, I don't know, they had to be like 450 or 500s, uh, two smaller models up in the air in front of him in GPS hold. 
and they were holding streamers in between them and under them. And then he went and took his 700 and flew it around the stream. I mean, he was doing like pirouetting corkscrewing loops around the two helis and the streamers. And then he came in knife edge and cut each of the streamers. And it wasn't once, dude. He'd like chop it off 10 foot below. And then he'd come in closer and he'd chop it off five feet below. <laughs> I, I mean, the the precision that this guy was displaying in that flight i was really impressed with personally and then of course you got duncan just it's dude it's duncan he throws down yeah right so it 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 was it was pretty impressive but kyle stacy i mean we've got catapults we got catapulting helis we got freaking fpving while 3ding Uh, that i mean did you guys see that yes oh holy crap and that's the thing is, I mean, he brought it, he brought it unlike anyone had done. All of the stunts were nailed. Like they all worked. Yeah. Everything he intended to do worked. If something didn't go as planned, then he did a good job of covering it up because I thought everything, he nailed it perfectly. And so, then to top it all off, he landed the, so his thing started with the heli coming out of like a magician's box with like, with like black cloth covering it and like this mm-hmm. green smoke. The heli comes out of that. He does his routine. He does his FPV it doesn't, and all but it that. It doesn't fly out though. No, it doesn't. It gets catapulted out. <laughs> it gets catapulted out with no head speed, and then it does a quick spool up and goes and throws down. So badass. And then he lands it in the box at the end. <laughs> so then, okay, but then here's where the drama starts. Yes. And that's what I want to know. How awkward was it when it was announced that Kyle Dahl, who did a good flight. Oh, he did. Kyle did. I mean, props to Kyle Dahl, but not that flight. But then it was announced that Kyle Dahl won. That had to have been awkward. Dude, (laughs) I'm sitting there center stage and Nick Johnson announces it and it's just like silent. And then you start hearing people like, you know, they're talking amongst themselves like, wait, wait a minute. What Did happened? he just say Kyle, like Kyle Dahl? Is that the right? Ky- what the hell just happened? And, you know, OK. And then reluctantly, the crowds like still dumbstruck um, starts applauding and, you know, OK, right. Great. Kyle Dahl won. Congratulations. Check it out. And then he gets paraded away. But. I mean, I think everyone was blown away. And so now what began was the most epic version of like he said, she said telephone game that you could ever imagine amongst the the um, the spectators, the audience. So now people are like, dude, did they get that wrong? What could it have been? Like, why, why did Kyle Stacy not win? And, and a lot of people were speculating because as you guys know, the one competition is, it is uh, mostly the style flight, right? That everyone remembers. But before that, they've got to execute a set maneuver. Yep. And this year, the set maneuver was, uh, skids in and skids out, uh, four point TikToks. And, yep. uh, I love you, Kyle, you to man. 
you're a good friend, but your four point TikToks were not as nailed as some of the other competitors. And I'm, I mean, that I'm just being honest. It was, he yeah. still did it. He nailed it. But some of them were just super freaking precise. And so some people started saying, well, wow, you know, maybe the set maneuver killed Kyle Stacy. Maybe that's what it was. Um, and so it went on for, you know, about an hour and then people started just, okay, it is what it is, whatever big deal. Um, well, you know, talking to a couple of people that were on the inside of the judging committee, uh, I quickly realized that there was unrest and that now they're okay. We got to go back. Let's review the footage. Let's check the scores. Let's double, triple, quadruple check it. Uh, I got a little bit of Nick Johnson's ear early on and he said, Hey man, I can't say anything, but we're doing what we can do. And we're looking into it. We, you know, we don't want anything to be false or wrong. If Kyle doll is not the real winner, then so be it. We'll, we'll do what we've got to do. Two or three hours later, after the prize raffles uh, were drawn for all the pilots, Mm -hmm. uh, they came back and they said, hey, we had an error. We double checked everything. Uh, There was a mistake in the in the scoring. And by one point, Kyle Stacy is the one winner. And so, of course, at that point, everyone cheered. And, you know, I. I didn't actually get a chance to chase down Kyle Dahl, but I heard from a couple of people that even Kyle Dahl was like, dude, what What the fuck? Like, <laughs> this is the wrong Kyle. <laughs> so, yeah. That- yeah. And it's, you know, it, I guess it was a pretty, like, they were cool. You know, those guys are good friends. I mean, obviously, they both yeah, like, yeah. you know, the V-Control, but they're... Uh, a lot of these guys that have been competing against each other for a long time are really good friends outside of that. So, I mean, I'm really glad, you know, obviously I'm not impressed all that much with needing to do a recount. I mean, it's, it doesn't How did seem they mess I that know. Up? And, and do yeah, I, I think I don't know. it left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But, you know, I, I think after all is said and done, they did the right thing. I'm not saying it was an easy thing to do, but they recognized that almost everyone believed that that was the wrong call and they went back and they checked it now I, who knows i don't know the details i don't know that any of us ever will but did you guys said, uh did you guys see andy's posts on facebook from OptiPower? no huh? no he, no he, yeah he had a couple i don't know if they're still there or not but he had a couple posts that were questioning the whole thing and he mentioned politics or something like that he was not happy about it oh i mean Initially, it looked like, uh, okay, who's blowing who here, you know, to get to get that. But not that, I mean, not that Dahl had anything to do with it at all. Like, yeah. No, no way. I mean, these, there's, the pilots are all credible, but I, I don't doubt that. And I think that, you know, I think that happens actually all across the world. At all the events, there are favorites. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of speculation over, well, maybe, you know, maybe they did that because the one was never meant to be won two times in a row by the same dude. So there was all sorts of conversation going on. Yeah, but they got it sorted. They did. 
And it worked and, out. And so. mad props to all of the pilots, because I'll tell you what, if you go and watch those videos, they all brought it way harder than last year. Nice. Sweet. Okay. My next one, and then I'll let someone else go, but I'm dying to know this. Uh, Rev Electrics. I heard Sean Hempel say something about, and explain it to me a little bit, and I just sat there with my mouth open. The new charger they're, that they're going to be coming out with later, I mean, I guess it's still a while out, but it's like a bump charger. Oh, the bump from, system. Okay, so from what I got from Sean was that basically the same, you know, Mikado has, V-Bar has these sensors that you can put on your battery. It's a receiver. It's just a little sticker. It's got like an RFID tag in it. Mm -hmm. And then you have a, the reader that you mount in your heli. And when you slide your battery in, it automatically recog uh, recognizes the pack, sets your timers accordingly, and so on. So I yep. guess Rev Electrics is doing something similar with this in that you have these tags on your batteries and you hold them, you just hold it up to the charger and touch it to the charger and the charger recognizes what batteries you have and automatically puts your preset in for that. But then it's even cooler because they work with the V-Bar battery ID tags. Does it work with a uh, jetty system? Oh, here we go. Oh God, <laughs> Jesse! Uh, no, no, I was just, I was just curious uh, if they honestly, built that I in. don't know. I, I, oh, okay. I know it works with V bar. At least that's what I've been mm. told. I didn't see that happen, but I do know that it's supposed to work with V bar. Oh, okay, oh, that's cool. You d bag. Maybe someday. <laughs> <You D -bag. laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so did you tell me a little bit about it? So it's, uh, my understanding is, at least what I saw, it's not a charger. It's actually an interface to existing chargers. Oh. So in other words, it's, it, it's kind of like a little pad and you plug it into, say, your dual power lab eight, right? And you go into the dual power lab and just like you would without it, you you can set up presets and maybe you set up like, I don't know, you know, uh, 5,000 milliamp hour, seven cell uh, trioblin pack, number mm -hmm. one. And then you assign that to an ID that is unique and tagged to the RFID on that little sticker. OK, now you put that sticker on your 5,000 milliamp hour, seven S trioblin pack, number one. And when you're done flying it, you pull it out and the stickers, you know, like on the edge of the pack, you walk up to the little bump pad and you touch it to the pad and the dual power labs like, oh, shit, that's your 5000 milliamp 7S pack. Let's do this. And it loads the preset. Mm -hmm. You plug it in, press go and you're done. Yeah. From what Sean was saying, you're not even going to need to have the display. I think this is what he said. So this is a big ass. He will correct I, us if we're wrong. I think you don't have to even have like the charger. So like if you're going to build a case, mm -hmm. you don't even need to be able to see the display on the charger. Cause I think this little module thing 
will have everything that you need on there. Ah, uh, now see that I can't confirm, but if that's true, that is even cooler, I mean, I, dude. I think it's almost kind of like a remote display just, slash, yeah. Well, yeah, because then you just stuff the charger down in the bottom underneath yeah. the lid and just yeah, have this no little, more just bump it. You know, bitching it would be uh, not to have to cut deck lids and everything out of him, like just mount this little chili dog right on the top and then be like, bump, go, bump, go. Yeah, you're never, nice. I mean, it's going to track all your cycles for you as well. I mean, yeah, think about the other side of it, too, with the V-Control, tracking all your cycles, automatic integration. That's right. All your charging rates are going to be set automatically when you do go to plug them in. Yeah, I didn't awesome. see that one coming. But, I mean, I know, I know just from, like, looking at the GT500 interface... They mm-hmm. have really, like, they listened. You know, they've been making some badass chargers for a long time. But mm. I have told them, they know, they've heard this from a lot of people, like, hey, 1973 called and they want their charger interface back. The computer software's sick. It's awesome. But, you know, yes, it it works, but in by today's standards, it's it's not impressive. It's very functional. It's easy to use, but it's not crazy. They, cutting edge. Yep. Yeah, it's not cutting edge. Now they yeah. really cranked it up times ten with the GT five hundred, but this is just like wow, one step even farther. So what yeah, awesome, very awesome. cool stuff, dude. My VCR is still flashing twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, about the t- yeah, <laughs> about the time I figure out how to set it, the power goes out, and then if Dan's over here, it's still charging off of punch cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still flying nightcats. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I honestly didn't see that coming, um, because Rev Electrics they they do a lot of awesome stuff, but they're not a company that, at least up until recently, I've thought of as you know, they're going to come out with the next greatest thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they tend to want to focus on one thing and make sure that they've really got it perfected. And seeing the GT500 and now the bump charger, maybe there's more cool stuff in store. Yeah. That was nice. Now that I've owned two full sets of BK high-voltage coilless servos, I can honestly say that these are the best full-size cyclic servos I have owned to date. These things are crazy fast, with a speed of 0.049 seconds per 60 degrees, and plenty strong, with a torque rating of 295 inch ounces. Oh, and to top all this off, they're only 99 bucks a piece. So whether you're looking to replace an old set of worn out servos, or outfitting that brand new heli, be sure to head over to bkservo.com. I, I got a, I got a question. So, with me kind of bringing up that few, probably a month ago now, the potential for a winter build, and you know maybe that 750, 800 class sneaking in there. I gotta hear about. Kind of both the seven six the synergy seven sixty six and the HD seven fifty. Oh, dude! 
because <laughs> those, those are my hellies too, man. I know what you mean. The um, uh, I need some clarity, Justin. <laughs> I need some help. It's Give me gonna, details it's gonna be here, tough, dude. Show uh, me a little, Bodos, show me a little nippy. Bodos has. I think he's nailed it with this thing. I got to tell you the. The design is still very simple. It's very robust looking, uh, very um, uh, not not overcomplicated. I mean, you know, you know, his electric series of helis, the E5, E6, Mm -hmm. E7, they just work right. Get the job. And that's what you've come to expect out of Synergy. I think it's exactly the same thing with the 766. He's got some extra flair in there uh, with the multi-part canopy. Um, the, the, uh, ability to switch it out up to 800 millimeter blades. I think the thing looks awesome in person. Now here's the deal. I didn't think the thing looked all that awesome when I first saw it on, on the uh, Facebook post on the, what Mm -hmm. is 766? I'm like, oh dude, what is going on with the canopy thing? It's, it is not as bad as you think it actually looks pretty freaking sweet hmm. um it flies fantastic now part of that has got to be because bodos is is into that flying style at least the flying style that yeah. i consider ideal for a larger model he mm-hmm. can smack it around but he's focused on some nice clean big air 3d some nice lower head speed flowy stuff. Um, the demos that I saw him fly were just awesome. Uh, the thing is smooth. It's quiet as hell. It looks huge in the air, which I didn't expect because when you first look at it, you think, well, that's just an E seven stretch, right? Well, no, not exactly. I mean, it's, it has an altogether larger presence. And I think as funny as it sounds like the canopy itself, the two piece canopy adds to that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, nice. They, they only had that, that I could see. They only had one of them and Matt was flying it. He did a couple of demo spots. Uh, all of it was sort of a mix of low and slow, as well as the big air type flying. I didn't personally see him smack it around a lot. But then again, I'm not sure that's how he was trying to market it. Uh, the drivetrain is beefy as hell. Um, I think the only version I saw was flying the 766s. Uh, I heard from someone else that he had flown it on the 800 or 816s, but I didn't get to see it. Uh, so I can't say for sure whether that was the case. I think it's going to be a solid purchase, Jesse. I mean, you got the E7, you got the N7. Unless you're afraid of becoming a shameless Synergy fanboy with an I, not a Y, then I <laughs> I would jump on it. Now, the 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 HD is somewhat of a different story because HD helicopters uh they're all German, uh designed and machined in Germany distributed by superstition hobbies you guys know um alan mouton out of arizona phoenix area uh their hd 500 went through a couple of different iterations really unique model in general i'm not sure that um it took off quite as much as as maybe i originally expected it to 
And I think that, you know, some people have different opinions on that. But to me, part of it was some of the features, uh, some of the parts prices and stuff like that. Um, Concerns about how it would actually crash, although I've heard that it can take a pretty big hit. The 750, on the other hand, I feel like they listened a lot and learned a lot from the uh, the HD 500 and made uh, a number of really impressive improvements. I'm still on the edge about the battery system. And Nick, you called this out when we first discussed it in the news. The fact that the battery is underslung, kind of like a Compass 7 HV. And oh, what happens if I pancake the heli? Uh, do oh. I destroy the battery? Yeah, but those lower frames are super beefy and it appears to be all real carbon fiber, not the kind of carbon fiber fiberglass veneer. So I think mm-hmm. there's a lot more structure there than we give it credit for just looking at it over the Internet. What is super impressive is the drivetrain um, two stage. For those who are familiar, it looks a lot like a Banshee drivetrain where it's a a multi-belted system the gears are beefy as hell uh not something that you're ever going to have to worry about replacing at least from what i can tell probably not even the belts the belt the belt that they use on the uh the motor to the intermediate gear nick uh sorry to say makes the goblin drive belt look like a rubber band really oh my god dude it's got to be i want to say it's like 25 or 30 millimeters tall it's massive holy yeah huge this is coming straight like straight out of the box swinging 750s yep yeah it it comes stock capable to uh to swing 750s it's got a beefy freaking tail boom you know i have i i got a thing for big tail booms and uh (laughs) This one does this one does not oh, disappoint. <laughs> I like big booms big and I cannot lie. Black Whoa. carbon, carbon fiber, fiber shiny. <laughs> no dirty tips. No dirty no, tips. Yeah, you, yeah, don't yes. You gotta clean so, the tip. Okay, then I think, you know, now hearing about the H D and then the the seven sixty six you are a very big fan of your 770. Yes, I am. What are my thoughts? Yes. Would mm-hmm. would one of these potentially replace it? Ah, man. I Okay. I this is the trick for me. The HD is an absolutely stunning work of engineering. It's beautiful. I I mean, the drivetrain is amazing. It's got to be bulletproof once they finalize it. You got to remember that it's still a prototype. It's not ready to be uh, full production yet. So they got some work that they're they're doing on it. But the 750 to me, it's my style. Um, it's got the sort of boutique feel to it. But I'm told that because it's going to be distributed through superstition, Alan's working really close with Jens uh, Jungling, who's the owner, uh, to get reasonable pricing or at least competitive pricing. Uh, I, I also think given how beefy it is, it probably will crash better than uh, the Goblin 770. That's my guess, at least. It's pure speculation. And so... It's, I think cost of entry is going to be 
reasonably high, but it should be pretty simple to maintain and crash. Uh, I'm nervous about it still being boutique-ish and only mm-hmm. being distributed by one place. Synergy, on the other hand, Matt's going to support his crap. And it's not that Alan and Jens aren't, but I think in general, Matt's got a lot bigger of a fan base. Yeah. Um, yep. I on the on the the 766 what i like about it is i can change almost out of the box from a 700 to a 750 to an 800 that is super appealing to me because you know uh, nick you and i have even talked about well maybe i want to go back to the swinging 700s or 716s on the 770 just to see what it's all about but that's not as simple on a goblin to swap out as it is on a, a torque tube heli Right, because you got to rewire the stupid tail servo and the carbon fiber boom. It's a big pain in the ass. Um, I think the synergies. It looks like it may be heavier than my 770, though. So that's the thing I'm I'm a bit concerned about. Maybe on 800s, it's okay. So I'm still torn, but I'll tell you the third one that interests me that you haven't asked about is the Protos Max V2. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think about that one? So, well, that's funny because I had in the the notes here, kind of, a, you know, in the news notes, that they had announced that they had this pretty sweet looking power bus. Now, I, I saw this way back, I think the Gowie X3. Yeah, I was say. Yeah, yeah, was the first one to do this, this integrated circuit uh, that bolts onto the side to make running your wires a lot easier did you get to see that no actually i didn't even hear about it i must have been missing something yeah, it, it was supposed it's to be there stock it's well no i don't think it's stock i think it's like an add-on that they're doing but um they've got a three in the in the let's see which forum is this in i believe it's in the yeah in, in the msh protos max v2 in there uh, on Helifreak, they've got, yeah, it's set up here. It's called the MSH Power Bus. It's got pins in the back and then pins all the way up in the front. And, it, it you know, visually it looks like a piece of G10 that runs all the length of the heli that you bolt mm-hmm. onto, but it has integrated circuits into there. So no running wires Interesting. front to back. Wow. And it's, it's, for all, it's for servos plus ESC signal, all of that? Yep. Yep. Wow. I think, well... Uh, I think the way that this heli is set up, it, it's got ESC, RPM, Power A, and Power B. Okay. So your servos are still going to go into the fly barless unit, which you don't need to run from one side to the other. But this takes care of the, you know, your whole ESC side. I, dude, it looks freaking sweet. And I've heard, you know, to be fair, I've I heard a lot of people that saw the protos and were like wow okay this thing is completely different than the old one i mean i've i've heard a lot of positive things about yeah, it yeah dude i got to say uh no i i'm with you completely i mean i what is most striking to me i think is the uh the new plastic uh, under frames or what I, mm-hmm. I don't know what they call it i'm looking for the actual name they have a specific name for it uh 
What it's is the it? Undercarriage. Yeah, it's the undercarriage, right? But dude, that thing is freaking seriously heavy duty. I I mean that's no uh, sorry Mikado, but that's no logo six hundred plastic. Really? I mean it's it's seriously heavy duty. And you want to know how much it costs? Main frame, right? The main that's what they they, they just call it main plastic frame. Mm-hmm. Thirty dollars. <laughs> 30 bucks so that, that would be like uh wow i mean holy cow and your skids are molded into that or they're separate? no no the skids are separate skids are okay. separate but the skids for like uh let's see here it's um they are single piece plastic right but they are 15 dollars. okay mm-hmm. i mean that's freaking awesome you know what this heli looks like? And and before anyone takes offense to this, this is a huge compliment. Uh, this heli to me looks like a really badass beater. Oh, like, but I don't. Interesting. I, don't, I wasn't expecting I, you to say that. No. Well, it doesn't. And, and let me finish because that, that is not offensive in any way. It's actually a big compliment. It is so simple. And so, you know, half plastic, half carbon fiber, just belts. Yep. That sort of a deal. Like, it looks very easy to maintain. This is not like, okay, let's be frank. You look at this and you don't go, whoa, Marvel of Engineering. Wow, boutique. It has none of that look to it. You're, I don't think you're, to me, when I look at it visually, I don't get that wow factor. I don't have that oh, it's so pretty, you know, one of those type deals. Um, To me, it looks like, oh, if I want to go out and put 20 flights in today and try a bunch of stuff that I've never done and shoot autos and bounce this thing all over the field and have a good time, that's what it looks like to me. So I don't, beater to me is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I I can hear, I can, I can see what you mean by that. That's that's kind of what I look at it like. Very minimal, not boutique at all, just viable and effective. Well, and so so yes, I agree with you on that completely. I think that the affordability side of it plays a huge role in that description. I mean, you look at right now I think they're so, they're still doing pre-orders. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but last I heard, you can get the kit with actually with a brain flybarless system for like 700 bucks yeah. pre-order. Oh, wow. And then you look at the parts price. And so, okay, you stack up the V2, the Protos Max V2 against the 766 and the HD 750. And I think to myself, the 750 is clearly boutique. The Synergy is the hometown favorite. But the Protos Max, I mean, if it doesn't have problems with quality control and parts supply, it could be a big deal because it's also capable of flying up to 800s out of the box. And it's lightweight and holy crap, the thing is freaking quiet as hell. It's it's scary how quiet it is. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know, man. I don't think you helped me much. I know. I'm sorry, (laughs) Jesse, but. (laughs) 
So did you hear any, um, did you hear any, I don't know, anybody talking or any rumblings about uh, the Velos? Is anybody talking about it? Talking about it. Uh, No, I got to see one in the flesh, like literally sitting on the table in front of me. Yeah. Does that work? Well, I'm just kind of curious how, you know, now that it's, you know, we've been, you know, it's been being talked about, just wondering how it's going. I mean, is there like a general, you know, it's like when a new heli comes out, you, you hear about it. You don't mm-hmm. hear about it at all. I'm just kind of curious. You must not yeah, have heard. Yeah, I, I did not, I didn't get into too much conversation surrounding the, the, the Velos 80 Dan. Um, and so I didn't really get a good appreciation for whether it's going well or not. Uh, what I do know, or at least, um, had seen a bit of and heard was that they had, I think they had two of them at Urcha. Um, one was flying flawlessly. I think another one had a couple of challenges, uh, that they were still working on and, you know, replacing a couple of parts on. I got to see one in person and while I had seen it. Uh, in prototype form last Urcha, I didn't really pay as much attention to it as I did this time around because here it is. It's like the real thing flying fully kitted out with all the equipment. And I got to say, it's got some pretty impressive features to it. Um, uh, the, the one that I thought was the most impressive was the fact that and maybe you guys already knew this. So I must be behind the times. Uh, the entire like drivetrain lifts out of the helicopter and i'm not talking like i've gotta pull the head off and blah no i mean like you undo four screws and like the dual motor dual speed controller multiple servos head drivetrain pulls out of the damn frames wow so it's a lot and that was one of the first things i thought was oh my god dude i hate Sometimes I hate working on certain models that are poorly designed with one drivetrain. And now I've got to deal with one that's got two of everything. Forget it. But they really did themselves a, a, a good service by setting it up that way. Um, it's freaking massive. I mean, it's so huge. It's beyond my ability to describe. I picked this one up and I think it was like 20 or 21 pounds. Um, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And yet when it flies, man, not only can you beat the piss out of the thing, uh, but it can fly pretty gracefully too. And the sound is amazing. I mean, it has these, uh, I think just made specifically for it, their zeal blades. Uh, and I, I what were they? They're eight. Well, they're eight eighties, eight eighty, eight ninety millimeter blades really impressive machine Uh, and and i could see like if someone was really interested in going that large just because uh then i could see you doing doing it in more of a budget conscious way i know last time we did it on the news we built like this freaking mega machine right where it had two cosmics and two pyros and freaking like you know 14 cell and the best servos and it came out to five or six grand uh i think you you can and in this particular case this one was running two castles castle escs 12 cell um 
I want to say it was running two KDE 600 XF motors, which is even more of a testament to it because it's running 600 class, not 700 class motors. And they were beating the piss out of the thing with that. Hmm. Um, what I think this really lends itself, though, to is those guys that want to do they got the money. Okay, I'm not saying that it's it's as cheap as going out and buying a T-Rex 700, but they got the money to spend. They want something unique and they're going to go and do some sport flying and big air. Not that they can't smack it around because they can, but the way the thing flows through maneuvers is unreal. It, the hang time looks, it, it looks fake. For example, on knife edge. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of took a step back and thought, why is this any different than someone that wants a big Bergen or a Vario? You know, a gas yeah. or a turbine. And in fact, th- it's a hell of a lot more capable of a model in terms of 3D flight envelope oh, yeah. than those those brands and power systems. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, Dan, I, I can't say that they're flying off the shelves, but uh, everywhere I saw it, there were people interested in it. And they uh, they brought us uh, brought one of them over to. Uh, the speed cup site on the rainy day and everyone was oogling it. I mean, it sat there for like 45 minutes and people hands all over the place. Hmm. Did you get an impression on um, like uh, not so much the, when it comes to speed helicopters, but not the actual like high end ones like you're flying, but like, you know, a lot of these companies like Jarrah's coming out with their uh, Forza speed and, and these other companies are kind of doing these entry level, I, I guess, is that the right word? Entry level. Yeah. Like yep. a little oxy. Yeah. The oxy did you get, speed. did you get a chance to see and uh, see some of those? And what were your thoughts on them? I did. Uh, I think speed is in full effect across the board. Um, there were, there was excitement over a number of different models. Of course, we've already talked a lot about the Gowie R5. That one's obvious. Um, there weren't many of them there. And so everyone was interested in taking a look. The, uh, the Oxy three speed, uh, Richard Knapp and a couple of the other guys from team links came out or team Oxy came out with those, you know, for what they are little tiny guys, they're pretty impressive. Um, uh, well thought out and, and, you know, it's a, okay. So it's, it's an entry level speed heli. So it doesn't have all the crazy stuff that the big guys have, but it's not like they just took a model and chopped the landing gear off. Right. So they're, they're working through, uh, making it a speed type model. The JR Forza speed is an impressive heli. They uh, they were not able to compete with it in in the uh, speed cup sportsman or pro mod because we've got a rule that basically says at the time of competition, in order to uh, be classified as sportsman or pro mod, they need to have sold uh, a minimum of 30 kits to the public. Well, the Forza Speed still a prototype that did not stop their team pilot uh, uh, Shinja Kuni, I believe is his name, coming out and flying it. And in fact, he flew it in Sportsman and came in first place if his speed were to have placed. Now, Bodos actually won Sportsman, but if this was a legal run, he would have beaten Bodos by another, 
I want to say 10 or 15 miles an hour. It was moving. Wow. Yes. So, uh, you know, the the Forza crew, I mean, George was out there with the JR Forza 700, the normal one like you've got, Dan. There are a number of people flying that. Ryan Sams from Team JR. Um, a couple of us with the Gowie R5s. Goblin 380s. We had two people compete with Goblin 380s. Uh, Chuck Morris and Paul Houghton. Uh, Paul came in first. I think Chuck came in second. Paul came all the way from uh the uk from england and uh i i kind of pulled his leg at the last minute he wasn't sure whether he wanted to do the speed thing he was interested i said dude bring it get it set up let's do this and he came out and actually won mini a um what else in terms of newer models um oh compass okay so this is this is worth a chat compass. Uh, you guys know Sebastian Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, Sebastian, having yep. been on the team for as long as you were. Sebastian came out with a relatively new team pilot, but not new to the speed scene. Uh, Stefan Seeger, formerly of Team Henselet. And Stefan brought with him a Kronos uh, open class or pro mod class version, which was a 14 cell. Uh, and the landing gear was chopped. He had some modifications to it to make it more speedy. Uh, and then he also brought out a Kronos in full fuselage. Now, this was really prototype. And I'd say it was sort of a- along the same lines of what I did with the Goblin Speed last year, where it was kind of, uh, uh, for lack of a better description, uh, garage, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, one-off, if you will. Nothing... Uh, Nothing derogatory about that, but it it was what it was. Now, uh, Stefan is an amazing speed pilot. The guy holds solid lines. He knows how to get the best out of the machine. The 14S Kronos was moving. And I heard, although I never got it confirmed with him, that he had the thing up at like 3,000 RPM. When, dude... (laughs) I'll tell you what, that thing sounded like it was ready to eat someone's lunch. And, and, I, and I'm telling you that in the same group cast of characters with TDRs and TDSs and Diablo speeds, this thing sounded mean as hell. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Nice. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether this was just a trial run for Compass and if it worked out, then they are going to do something more seriously or if they were always planning on doing it seriously next time. But I'm I'm excited to see what they they come up with. That should be pretty cool. Um, Dan, of course, one of your favorite brands in the entire world, SAB. Uh, brought the Goblin Speed Competition prototype out. Two of them. Bert flew one. Uh, Ugo Marx flew the second one. Uh, really impressive design. Uh, in talking to Enrico and Stefano, I think they're going to try to actually make it a production model. We'll see. Right now, they're still working out some kinks. And they're flying on on the Vortex fly barless system. They had a, a couple of challenges, actually, uh, with pitch-up compensation and stuff like that at high speeds. But... As you guys know, Bert and Angelos work very closely together. And so I I think Bert caught the bug 
uh, after a little bit. And he and I were talking. And he said, "I'm, you know what? I'm going to go back and talk to Angelos, and we're going to work this out. And the Vortex is going to be able to fly speed. And then, you know, he was pulling uh, Stefano's arm to let him come home or let the, the speed competition model come home with him instead of go back to Italy. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other thing SAB did was the 500 sport, which uh, Nick, I think you probably saw coming. Yep. It wasn't competed with, but I think it could be a competitor in the 500 class speed. Oh, absolutely. And even if it isn't, I want one. (laughs) What's the, (laughs) what's the max blade size in that class? Uh, it's disc size, so it's not so much a blade thing, but in general, um, up to about a 525 or 535 is mini A, and then 535 to 610 is mini B, roughly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a, it's a clean looking little heli. They did a really, I, I like the looks of it. It was a really awesome experience. Uh, I wish you guys were there. There were tons of other people that wished you were there as well. Uh, hu- again, huge shout out to the listeners. Um, yeah, I don't know. What Maybe else? Next. Maybe next year. With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, Switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the switch today. www.switchrotorblades.com Guys, you know, I think it's kind of a cool thing. I You guys got the email, and of course, we saw it on Facebook. Um, Chris Rybert, and he writes a column for RC Heli Pilot Magazine, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are familiar. We've seen a yep. few stories on, like, the Ninja Rap guys and a few other people. Dude, yep. he put the time in, and he wrote an article about RC Heli Nation for that magazine, yep. and it's out. I think it came out, it published, like, last week. Yep. Dude, thank you so much, Chris. That's fantastic that you thought of us, and that's incredible. So, first of all, if you want to give Chris a thank you, um, I don't know his his email off the top of my head, but he's super easy to find. If you go to Facebook, type in Chris Rybert, or you can um, also check out the, they've got an online version of that magazine. Um, I don't know the URL for that but I'm sure it's something like www.rchelipilotmagazine.com or something yeah. similar. If I you think Google that's it, exactly what it is. Yeah. No, is that it's exactly not. what it is? No, And then his website is... Hold uh, on. Urch! Stop, Poochie. It's www.helipilotonline.com. There you is, go. 
There is it the is. Website for Helipilot Magazine. Okay, then Nick, Mr. Smarty Pants, what is his website? Oh, shit, I don't know. Ah, uh, I think it's 3dandscalehelicopters.com. There you yep. go. And you can find him on Facebook at the same thing. Yep. And uh, along those lines, Chris, first of all, thank you. That's fantastic. And we also just want to say, because we didn't do a show prior to the you know last couple of weeks, uh, we hope your guys' event up there in New York went fantastic. And, and of course, the Stacey's for, for helping you raise money for charity. That's what an amazing. Dude, just, I, I can't even, I mean, all right. Yeah, obviously I'm a little partial because of what they are giving away raffle tickets for, but 50 bucks for a raffle ticket for a grab the transmitter put their batteries in and fly a kse edition that's fantastic yep it's just crazy so moving on we got a bit a couple things of business we need to need to talk about first of all um big shout out to all the listeners that have been helping out with episode 200 now this this turned out to be Maybe just a scotch bigger project than we'd considered, right? Twice as big. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be working diligently to uh, with uh, Ken to to get that ready for next week. It'll it'll get done one way or the other. <laughs> so yeah, and thank you to everyone that that has you know helped on the Heli Freak thread way more than we expected. Oh, jeez. Uh, some of you. You know, I, I don't even want to go through and name names, but there are some of you, you know who I'm talking about that have done way more than we ever could have wished for. But I mean, just everyone, thank you for your support and help. I'm really hoping that we don't miss, you know, some, some really great ones, but it, you know, we'll do, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one of the coolest things that, I that have come from this, there's the emails where uh, guys who have been listening to us for a long, long time would email and say, oh, my gosh, I have completely forgot about this or I completely forgot about that. I was listening to, you know, number 21, and it's like, you know, it's really, it's really kind of fun to kind of relive that stuff through the eyes of, of a listener, you know, and just mm-hmm. and be reminded of stuff that, man, I've completely forgot about, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. Been, that's been kind of fun. Um, secondly, we, uh, we got an event coming up. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, what is it? September 15th, 16th, 17th, 17th, 17th through the 20th. So that's going to be over there in Dayton, Oregon. Huh? Yep. All the way. And if you could see me, I'm pointing West over there. Mm-hmm. Dan's still bitter about that. that. I think, so yeah, I think a little bit. Dan may have said something along the lines of, why the fuck did we have it down there again? Yeah, whose idea <laughs> was at that? At our last meeting. <laughs> whose idea was that? No, nah, you know, it is what it is. It'll be fun. We're going we're gonna to do what we do. We got the uh, 3D trials, Northwest 3D trials, right? That'll be fun. Yes. Nick's still two better, more but- slots, guys. Two more slots. Get in on it. Is Come there two on. more still available yep, for that? There are two more left to to pre-register on RC Flight Deck. We've got uh we've had a recent influx of regular fun fly pre-registrations. 
uh, as I think people are finally waking up and realizing that they may actually have a good chance of winning a Spartan Vortex. So really jump chance. on that. Yeah, <laughs> really good. Trust back, me. Really good chance. If I decide to give it back. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Dan's Just testing. Take it from my cold, dead fingers. No, that's a good chance. That's a really good chance of winning something there, huh? Why bar the system? I mean, what? Are, I mean, geez, the odds are going to be fantastic. Yep. Fantastic. Much better than like one in 50. Yes. So as typical at our fun flies, we, you know, we like to do, we like to involve everybody. So we, we hold little competitions that anybody can do. It's a lot of fun. And as you will see at one of our fun flies, and I don't know what makes it different, but so many people get involved uh, from the most veteran flyer to the guy who just started. And Man, it's a lot of fun to watch all those people just have a good time competing against each other yep. in, you know, silly little competitions, some a little more advanced if you want to get into auto rotations and that kind of stuff. But nothing beats a good bottle knock. <laughs> That's humble. Or a 30 second hover. Or a 30 yeah. second hover. <laughs> that is just, it's fun to watch. And uh, so looking forward to that. Yes, it is a, a big trip for me, but you know what? We got listeners coming from even further away than I am. Uh, we got oh yeah, we've got some guys. Yep. I mean, I know Jack and and Steve are driving all the way from Gillette, Wyoming, and that's like another you know eight hundred miles east of me. <laughs> How about Michael from uh, Puerto Rico? Yeah, yeah. So that'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of you know. We got uh, Canada. Larry's coming down. Uh, Dieter's definitely going to have to come now, right? Yeah, he does. He's got to drive that new, that new pickup of his out there. So now he has a good reason to come, right? <laughs> yep. I yep. have more, I have more good news. Do you? Yeah, we have, I want to take a second to give a special thanks to Progressive RC and Skyfish for being our first two premier sponsors for the Fun Fly. So thank you very much to those two wonderful companies for supporting us and what we do. And I also want to give a shout out. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you've been to our fun fly, you know that you don't walk away empty handed. That has kind of been the under uh, yeah, uh, the understatement of the year. You know, now we understand that um, the hobby has generally been a little bit slower this year. But things are already starting to roll in. Bavarian Demon, uh, BK, Esprit, Gowie, Hobby Wing, let's see, uh, MKS, MSH, Random Heli, uh, SAB, Scorpion, and Soko Heli Tools, just to name a few. So I know that it's a, you know, it's a big deal to us. Yep. I mean, I'd like to say maybe more so than to other people, but I don't know. Just because of the way that we do our fun fly, it's just it's all about the about the pilots, and uh, we really appreciate uh, all of your support. So thank you to those vendors, and we I'll keep updating um, as we get people to commit. 
Sounds yes. real good. Sweet. We also oh. have another update. I've gotten a lot of people that have been asking about this lately. We will have a food vendor on site. Um, Larry from Outlaw Grill is going to be bringing uh, Outlaw Barbecue and Grill will be bringing his food truck out uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and he's going to be serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Actually, so oh, nice. breakfast he'll have coffee. He's got home homemade uh, corned beef hash, and then uh, biscuits and gravy, and then lunchtime. And dinner time will be all of the standard uh, barbecue fare. He's got a killer uh, grilled Philly cheesesteak, pastrami and Swiss, uh, Cuban sandwiches, ribs, burgers, dogs, all that sort of Jeez. stuff. You know what? You know oh, what this means, sweet. right? You know what this means? What's that? Don't have to stop and pick up a load of groceries on the way. That is That's correct, right. dude. There you go. Now all you got to do is bring the alcohol and some maybe some chips and snack. some chips. Yeah, chips. sure. And some chips. That works. Chips and beer. <laughs> yeah, chips and, <laughs> chips and beer. And hey, here's another cool thing too. So, uh, you know, I I guess I guess I keep going back to this whole it's all about the pilot, it's all about the pilot. Uh we've got some vendors showing up, but it's a little bit different, you know. Ken from Lower Helly, uh, the man. Uh, we just love Ken to death. He supports all the fun flies in the Northwest. Ken is going to be there for part support. So once again, thank you very much to Lower Heli for providing us parts so we can do dumb shit we're at the, when we're at the fun fly and have fun and crash. But there's also going to be some other guys. Now, uh, here's what I kind of approach them with. Hey, come bring reps from your companies. Bring your company. Bring whatever you want. We don't charge for vendor slots. We just want them here to to give you guys a chance for people to talk to. I know I've been to other fun flies. It is an intimidating thing. You show up at these bigger fun flies and it's like, oh, there's some guys in that booth. And I, I really might have a question about this or have a question about that. But, you know, that this, this is where I want you guys to get your help at. I I will be really bummed out if you walk away from the RC Heli Nation Fun Fly without getting a question answered. So, guys, like uh, Alex, you know, Alex Rose, he's uh, from MSH USA. He's going to be one of the judges um, at the at the trials competition. He'll be there. He's also going to kind of set up a little booth, like for MSH. So, MSH, Icon, if you have questions, come ask. Um, I believe that there's going to be a fair amount i don't want to commit exactly who but a fair amount of uh mikado and v team people there if you have questions come ask um we'll be doing uh you know the wireless buddy boxing thing and all that sort of a deal oh uh, let's see who else am i thinking about dustin bavarian demon ex nova yes. jetty um, that's right so all the all the speed nerds are going to be there and i say that with the utmost of uh, it's a compliment and a slight bit of affection yeah <laughs> it's a big bit of affection because hey here's a great opportunity you know we are going to do a little mini speed cup we had a hoot doing it last year i mean i haven't laughed that hard in a long time and and if you have questions if you say hey this is something that i would kind of like to try but i don't even know where to start these guys are here to help 
That is what they're coming this fun fly to do. It's not about selling shit. It's not about power hours. It's about getting you guys help and and making sure that you walk away educated and have all the information that you want. I might go. I'm thinking. <laughs> put that one on the I'm calendar. Go ahead and <laughs> jot yeah. that one in. I'm going to pencil it in. Cool. Huh. Uh, I'm looking forward to having uh, having my trailer there. Yes. Yeah, but it's going to be nice to finally have a trailer again. Well, uh, maybe some emails. What do you think? Probably. All right, Nick. I wanted to. I would never want to, but I know. Should I? Some reason. Some reason I had maybe send you a like a court order or something. How would I do that? You would send me an email at nick at rchellynation.com. How about you, Jesse? Uh, you could send me an email to jesse at rchellynation.com or catch me on Facebook. Jack Hammer. You could send me an email to justin at rchellynation.com or catch me on Facebook as Justin Pucci. All My email is dan at rchellynation.com. I actually had to think about that for a second. <laughs> Strangely enough, Dank Reed on the forums. <laughs> Dank Reed on the forums. Dank Reed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I want to mention uh, the store. If you have any questions, citizen stuff, shirt stuff, uh, com. which, by the way, Ken is making the trek. He's going to be bringing the whole store, whatever we have with him. So be sure to bring your citizen cards. Uh, you'll get your discount there if you buy anything that, while you're at the Fun Fly. Uh, we might, I don't know, we might see about throwing some. We did that. We did that at Urcha where we put everybody who brought their citizen cards uh, in a hat. Right? Remember that? That was kind of fun. We should do something like that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah was true. Fun. So you never know. Kind of spontaneous. We'll see what happens. Um, Facebook moving right along. If you guys also want to check out our homepage www.rcalienation.com uh, check out the chat box there's always a group of guys in there hanging out uh, great place to see reviews we've done and a few other things and my gosh thank you to uh, Heli Freak uh, we love having our little corner of the forum there and thank you for participating in that all, the, all of our listeners out there it's just it's a, it's a nice show of support we really appreciate it um I think that about wraps it up. If you guys can think of anything else, if not, I'm going to r- close the doors on 199. What oh, do you think? I do have one more thing. Okay. Uh, let's see here. About two weeks ago, when we posted that we weren't going to have a show out, I asked some people on Facebook to let us know what their favorite funny episode or informative episode was, and if oh, they included right. their citizen number then they might get a little something-something out of it. So, this is how we're going to do this. I count a total of nine replies that complied with the request and have a citizen number. And Dan, you are going to choose a number randomly between one and nine. Okay. And I will tell you who the winner is. And the winner is going to receive uh, their choice of a hat or a t-shirt. And they're going to get in contact with Ken at rchellynation.com when they hear their name. I will choose number six. Okay, hold on. Let me figure it out here. 
Okay. Number six, Tristan Lynch. Dun, dun, dun. Nice. Sweet. Citizen number 409, finger glued up Justin's nose is the funniest story <laughs> by yet or yet. Reminded me of the time I took the CA bottle off with my lips, but the lid was already off. Ended up gluing some of my lip together. That and any funny voice of Nick's is always entertaining on a Monday. Cheers, guys, and enjoy your week off. So Tristan, congrats. Number 409, you have won your choice of a hat or a t-shirt. Get in contact with Ken. We will make sure he's set up and ready to go to uh, ship you out what you are looking for. Excellent. And thank you to everyone that uh, jumped in on that. All righty, guys. Well, this has been episode 199. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. See you next Monday. It's a very good show. Me make you very laugh out of ha ha. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email 